Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Um, so very free flowing. So you just kind of do your thing. So, uh, my guest today, uh, episode 164 of the Galen Trombley show, Brandon Lauren. I've known this guy for many, many, many years. Um, and knew him from like a little young, little young punk running around Chase to now where he is now. So, uh, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Galen. Um, and yes, you did know me as a little young punk. You actually, is that a good description for you? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that currently. Not gonna argue with it currently. <laughs> um, you did. Uh, how many years did you also coach me with Rob? Uh, I know you were there for 2012. I coached eight total years. Yeah, but you were like assist- legitimately assistant the G- coach. Yeah, and then you did the JV directly for. I did. Okay, so I was assistant for. Okay, man, you're dating me here. I, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but I think this is my fifth year out. But it has been because yeah. I gra- I graduated in 2012, and you were either coaching the JV team and assisting for Ra. You were definitely on the bench for every one of our games. Yeah, so Ra, okay, so when I was assistant coach, it was the 2008. That was... No, wait, no, 2007 was my final season. Graduated in eight. 2008 was your first season. Yep. Uh, I had just graduated. Yep. So I was not on that team. So the 2009-2010 seasons... You guys won the state championship both years. I was the assistant coach on those two. Okay. And then, wait, so not, the problem is fall soccer is the year before the graduate. So I always remember graduation year, I have to go back one. So nine and 10, I was the assistant. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, I was the assistant head coach. Okay. And then I did not go back for fall of 17 because we were about to have my son and we just. I yes. took off before that. No, okay, okay. So that yeah, that makes sense to me then because like I said, eight two thousand eight would have been my eighth grade year. Yes. Which was I don't wanna really talk about that year it was probably the worst loss in, in Rob's lifetime in his history and he doesn't ever speak about it which is which is understandable but yes then nine and ten you were there, we went back to back, eleven, um, didn't quite do it, then twelve. Where we won. Again. <laughs> you got steamrolled people like Yeah, 12 was the only team that I would say was close to 05. And I will say that on this on this podcast, knowing that you're a part of it. Watch yourself. I know, but <laughs> I would now I would say uh defensively I think defensively we, we, we would be pretty even. Obviously it would come down to the the playmakers on either team between those two years because you guys had absolute studs. Um don't get me wrong. So so I you know it's funny. So last well, you're, uh, what day was this? I think it was on Saturday, maybe last Saturday. I popped on. No, it was this past Saturday. I was sitting there, just chilling at home, little guys running around. So I put on hometown cable on TV. Yeah. So I go to YouTube. Every once in a while, I watch like old stuff. And Same. My wife's on old videos. I'm on. Well, I'm not as many as she is. She was a better athlete than me. But I ended up. <laughs> so I found it was 2005. The dedication of the field, and it was when they're playing. I think Bolton. I- and. I was I was actually on JV up in, for about another week, and then our season ended. And I moved up and then joined the 2005 squad. So that 2005 team, which was 
I'm still going to say the best yes. team in Chelsea yes, yes. history. No, I mean, that's but, fine. That's fine. But that, that, watching that game was like, they're so good. So it's really funny. I mean, and now now you're gonna now you're paying me into a corner. But I have just recently found the the hometown cable myself. I really didn't know on YouTube on the YouTube. Yeah. And then like actually, if you go to hometown cable, like his actual um, why the website? Why, yeah. Why why is his name avoiding me right now? What's his Calvin? Name? Calvin. Sorry, yep. sorry there, Calvin. If you actually go to Plattsburgh, and he has like 600, 700 videos, and you know, there's every Plattsburgh and CCS, Saranac, everybody. Um, and I just kind of started. I will say I peaked, popped a couple on, and it, it is impressive to kind of see through the years how teams play different, um, even with the different different players type of style. But at the same as like time, it is kind of the same form formation or yeah. formula from from Shazy. And there's that only there's that one 2005 game on there. If you actually go, th- I've gone through. I yeah. hate to say I've gone through them all mm-hmm. to see how many. There's that 105 game there, and I watched it. And yeah, I would have to say the only team that I can compare when I look at. All of my teams now. 2010. I don't think a lot of people give enough respect to. Um, it was a yeah, it was good. It was a back to back. It was a back to back year. But defensively, 2010 was the best team that I was on. Offensively, I was still relatively young. Um, Kyle was there still. Um, who, who was? Um, who was on that team? Nathan was a sweeper. Nathan Reynolds. You had John Tregan was back. And John, John, I hate to say, it, John Tregan does not get enough credit. And I'm gonna say that once people are gonna the be greatest, what, greatest right foot in North Country soccer. Never, never had one stain on his left boot. Could not turn left if you asked him to. But no. he did. He he held his ground. But we had John Tregan, Michael Reba, which a lot of people oh, kind yeah. of forget about. Who yeah. was actually very solid. Yep. I think Craig Botton might have even been on the other side. That could have been right, yeah. Who was very solid. Hayden Gay, who was a, was a naturally left-footed. Um, was Hayden... No, Hayden played left midfield, right? Yes, left mid. Bed. Okay. And then it would have been either like Nolan Rogers, Nelson Pelton, or even like... Uh, not David Poitras yet, but Nolan Rogers or Nelson... Oh, Jordan? Or, no, Hunter, Hunter Domini. Hunter Domini, Hunter, I apologize. Yeah. Jordan Barrier, Caleb Snide, yeah. myself, and Kyle. That was, a, that was a solid team. Yeah, that's a solid team. It's just, like I said, it was our age. I think the reason 05 was so good... And Austin and that? Yeah. yeah. The reason 05 was so good is because you guys had a bunch of seniors. At the that were I mean Nolan I think was maybe a junior at no, that time. No, two thousand five. I thought there was a bunch of seniors. Oh, no. was that a bunch of juniors that year? A bunch of juniors and sophomores. Oh, because then in 06, you guys everyone. Thought. So five oh five team the seniors in 05 that I I would say were like the main players, uh, Seymour and Lewis. Okay. And Sean Martin. And oh. I think that was it. So that's that's what it was. So you guys had a very strong then junior core. So when you guys two thousand six probably that's people thought I thought you were a shoe in. That was. T- that was what you guys lost to E Town in the that, sectionals. So that so my argument, if any like the two thousand four team that won was yeah. good. Yeah. Two thousand five yes. was the best ever. And yeah. that was like when Lewis and Seymour and Sean were the seniors. But that was also I would argue the best junior class we've ever had. Yes. Um, which was both Jake and Jordan, Casey, Kenny, yes. Yes. Evan. Yes. Um, I'm probably forgetting a couple guys, but that that squad was was stacked. And then at the time was Nolan was a freshman or not freshman sophomore. Kyle was a sophomore. Yeah. We had a couple guys off the bench that were sophomores. Um, and then 
And then Jason Baker was also starting at the time. So that, and that's where I, the only, where I kind of start the argument a little bit is because my 2012 team, we had a majority of seniors. Mm-hmm. So I, I hate to say it, but when you're a little bit more physically adapted and you are a little bit closer to, to manhood, if you will, because myself, Nathan Reynolds, Nolan Rogers, Cole Chasky, uh, Justin uh, Brothers, David Poitras, David Poitras. Yeah. Um, we probably had like eight seniors starting and me and Nolan, don't get me wrong. And Kyle was the goalie at the and time. Kyle, Kyle Bissonnette was, was senior, right? was a senior yeah. at the time. And obviously, you know, Nolan scored one billion goals. Don't get me wrong. But that senior year, I think I ended with like 47 or 48. And I think that was the most he scored in a season as well. Which was so I was like oh, that, no? that was like my one accolade. I was like because I was always obviously trying to chase him, nip out his heels if I could. Yeah. And like that season. So offensively we we had it. But like you're saying, when you look through your midfield and your defense, um, 2012, that's why I say 2010 defensively were more solid. 2012 offensively were extremely explosive. Yeah. Um, we didn't we only got scored on maybe like eight or nine times, but 2005 you guys got like three goals. Three. So that's and, and I think and 2010 was, we only had five or six. So yeah. that was the closest defensively, but two, we didn't come close offensively. 2000 the 2012 team was the best senior class as yeah. a collective. Yes. Um, just for the sheer number of players yeah, that there was, started. There was eight. There was, yeah. I want to say there was like eight of us or of, nine of us. When I played it, like, I played at the tail end of 2005. So, I mean, I, I was I was a late addition to that team and I did nothing. I mean, I was it was more experience. But, <laughs> yeah, because they had um, everything they needed. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, we moved up for the experience aspect of it. Um, I think I played maybe one or two games in like sectionals. Yeah. Like the last 20 minutes, yeah. 15 minutes, whatever. But um, I, ideally... That team, my junior year and my senior year, I think that the argument could be made that the five, the four, five, six, seven group, which is basically like mm-hmm. Nolan's, I would say Nolan's generation or whatever, that that crew right there, in my eyes, was the greatest collective of soccer. But I will say there was pockets each year that there people are good. Yeah, like your senior class, like I would deem that. 10 or that uh, yeah that 10 11 12 class yeah was a very solid yeah. string of years and then i think we kind of had a little bit of a dip After. for a couple years yeah and then eventually we ended up having a pretty good class um that like recently kind of graduated that came through the, the team that won what two years ago uh-huh. um yeah because last year's covid the year before when they they won pretty handedly yeah um that was also i think a good spike in for a class yeah okay but that was kind of like if i really had to if i really had to pick your your i think your string and again maybe this is just the old guy talking because like <laughs> what i played with but i think the benefit of when we played back then the players skill wise were very good but we had played all the way through as i think you guys did but we were kind of like the last, I would say even your generation was kind of the last generation where you played a lot of soccer that was not organized soccer. Yeah. But I think what happened is as people started to get into um, tech and people started to get into you know video games and their phones yes. and everything, that was less likely for kids to run out and put two shoes down and play backyard soccer. And, and the other thing that changed too is like, and this wasn't a bad thing, but a lot of... Uh, schools would have their own club soccer. Shazy would have their own or Beatman Town or you had the Soccer United. And that kind of changed to, I hate to say it, but a lot of the kids would go to the Plattsburgh Football Club mm-hmm. and they would kind of just take, I would take the, I wouldn't say the cream of the cup, but you know, the players I wanted to play, if you wanted to get some extra soccer and if you wanted to continue 
people were starting to kind of go that route. So then, you know, the Shazy team or the Soccer United team kind of fell apart. So if you weren't on that club team trying to get out there, it was a, a little bit more harder for you to play outside of modified JV or varsity. Did, or did you club. ever play PFC? Or did yeah, you? yeah, yeah. So myself, Nathan Reynolds, Jordan Barrier. Yeah. Um, I don't believe Caleb Snyder ever got into it. I mean, I know Nolan and Stetson played at the time. They were on their premier team as well. Um, it was, it, it is a good melting pot though. That the, at the time, a lot of those kids playing together um, on the PFC team would then go to their high schools or would then go into their high school seasons playing at a much higher level because mm-hmm. of it playing with each other. And it, it was good for, if anything, it kind of boosted probably the rivalries um, and yeah. things like that in town. Because you would play with somebody from Saranac or NCCS or Osceola, wherever it would be, and then you would come back and, you know, I, you I, wouldn't be. I think uh, I think the other difference, too, when we played till now was when you played a team, like, we're kind of more old school. Like, it was before Facebook. It was before social media. So, like, when you played another kid, you saw him once or twice or three times a year if they were a multi-sport athlete. Right. But if you played him in soccer, you saw him twice a year if it was like an E-Town or Willsboro, you may see them three because of sectionals. Right. But at the end of the day, like I knew players only because of them on the field in right. the paper. Right. And now it's like a lot of kids, you know, they hang out, they see each other, they follow each other on Instagram. So it's kind of like how we can stay connected with other people. They do that with local kids. And it was just, I found that the rivalries, I mean, the rivalries are probably still good. I think the rivalries aren't as cutthroat as they probably were back in the yeah. day. Because like when you saw a kid from E-Town, you hated them. Oh, and and, yeah. and I hate to say it, it took me a long time once again to grow up, if you will. Like <laughs> after after I graduated, like Hunter Mowry, a kid from E-Town, that mm-hmm. we, we probably hated each other. Clay athlete, Sherman. yeah. Oh yeah, Clay Sherman, you know, we probably hated each yeah, other. Like athlete, as, yep. as soon as we graduated or as soon as we were playing PFC, I like those kids. We got along. Like, oh, I, I'm going to go see Hunter this weekend. Or I'm going to go hang out with yeah. this kid this weekend. And then you put back on your, your high school shirt, and you're like, oh, I, I, I can't like you today. It's we, we have to go back to being mortal enemies. But once you graduate and you're in college, you can kind of you know, mature a little bit, and you can respect that person for the, the body of work, what they've done, the, the amount of work that they put into their craft, well, if well, you will. Yeah, I think, you, I think in high school sport, it depends how your maturity level, too, because I think... Well, that I, I was going to say something like when you talk about how there's Facebook, Instagram, all these things today, mm-hmm. I would I would have not wanted that even when I was in high school because I can only because Facebook was just starting to get around like AOL Messenger. People yeah. don't people don't remember AOL Messenger, yeah, but that's the, what I remember as a kid. The yeah. original the original DM, if you yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that had just started coming around and Facebook was just happening. So that whole talking trash outside of just being on the field had just started and I could tell you right now I would not have dealt well with it. So I'm I'm very happy that uh I missed that. I missed that part. Um cuz it's it's an, as anyone knows uh internet abuse is a real thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's well, I think that's what, what it is. kids can't get like get away from it. Like that was a thing like we could you could play and go back almost into your bubble which is yeah. your team. Like you yeah. go to school and and it's weird because even when I stopped coaching things kids were doing that stuff like kids were yes. like instagram and things but it it wasn't it was a weird time but it's now even more uh, you know prevalent in, in the sports and yeah. um but i remember as a kid like going out to play was great like we didn't have cell phones we didn't have anything you went and played and we're i mean right now is perfect timing we're like mid-october right now yes, and yes. Th- there's still fall is my favorite time of the year um the season but the thing again with as the weather changes yeah. it brings back that feeling of yeah. soccer in your head yeah. and it's the only i don't get that 
I don't get that feeling for basketball. I never no. got that feeling for baseball. I would say baseball a little bit got, when it snow Baseball, we were okay. Um, I know you guys had some success, and we had like a year of basketball. But it, 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 let's be honest, in retrospect, you know, they weren't our sports, if you will. Yeah, and but I find that like late August, but it's like when September and the weather starts cooling. Like right now when October and the leaves start yeah. dropping and you start feeling that like the muddiness and the coolness. I'm like, that just brings me back to soccer. And, yep. and I think any... I mean, vivid memories where it's like, I feel like there's times too, where I'll just like reflect during the day. And I know it's weird because like, it's like living in the past a bit, but like as the weather changes, there's times where I'm like, you know what? I remember like putting on my, like the feeling of putting on the cleats and the shin guards and like running out and like that cold, like when your lungs burn to run like playoff soccer. And it's, it's uh, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's a memory that you can feel. I hate to say like taste, but it's, it brings you back to the, it brings you back to it. And when you, when you talk about this weather, that's kind of I feel the same exact way, and I think maybe in some weird way that's how I just found these videos or what made me come across them because that's what I did the other day. I yeah. mean, I've been I've been graduated and I graduated college, and I had relative you know some relative success even in college, and I'm not really watching my college videos. I'm watching some high school videos, and it, it's it's funny. It's yeah. funny because like you're saying, you're still even though we're all growing up and maturing, we we also cling to a little piece of childhood, if you will. Yeah, those those lovely memories and. I agree with you 110%. This type of year and you start feeling like that, it puts you in that that mindset. But going back to like the Twitter thing or the 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 TikTok if you will. I have two I have nieces. You know, I have nieces that are 13 and 14. So they have been engulfed in in this in this world that we were lucky enough to miss and I know that kids are going out to practice and doing TikToks at practice. <laughs> so it's like are you really practicing? Are you putting the cell phone down? You know, they're bringing, you would not be allowed to have a cell phone at my soccer practice if I saw you come outside with a piece of technology or something like that, even till, you know, to today. I wouldn't be that, hate to say, I wouldn't be that, oh yeah, it's fine. No, like you're here to, to, like you're saying, disconnect, get away from that. It's, It's healthier for you. Even when I was coaching, I... I took practice on my on my on the uh, watch. Yeah. Like I had a stopwatch. I didn't. Yeah. Or like I had a wristwatch or whatever. Um, and I wrote everything down on a piece of paper. Yeah. Like I took everything from Rob. Like I like Rob wore <laughs> yeah. you know wristwatch and yeah. Rob wrote stuff down on a piece of paper. <laughs> and like I just learned to do that from him. And then I just for all my years that if I ever had practice, my my cell phone before practice went in my bag. Yeah. My cell phone before games went in the bag. Yeah. I had it there for an emergency, but I never really checked it. No. And I always like for some reason I just like to disconnect. Yeah. And I always like that idea of like you had the players for say an hour and a half, you worked with them, practice was done, everybody picked up all the balls, all the water yeah. bottles, everything, pennies. Then I was like, they brought their stuff back. And then I pulled my bag out, yes. I checked my phone and yes. but it was a nice for me it was like a disconnect portion of it. And I think again if I you know, I don't think you need like soccer's, it, it, there's a lot of a lot you can learn right now in soccer. You have yeah. internet, you have YouTube, you have yes. all this stuff. But I think a lot of like the the interpersonal stuff of coaching comes back to like I've been fascinated recently with like leadership because yes. like me now in the company kind of like leadership roles. But I look at like a coach, yep. and I think both of us could argue that or would agree, not argue that Rob's single handedly the best coach I've ever had. And I think if you were to stack him up against. Uh, you know, majority of coaches, I think people would say the same, but then you look at what made Rob, what made, you know, Rob McAuliffe, the coach that he was, it was leadership, but it was also, he established a culture and yeah. he also established, I think I, and again, I never asked him this all the years that I coached with him, but mm-hmm. if I had to really f- think about it, 
I think he put a precedent on the alumni of the school yes. that I don't think, I think was done intentionally, but never really spo- spoken about. Because yep. how many times before big games or how many times before state championship games did Rob bring up oh, yeah. alumni and Rob bring up the program and Rob bring up like your grandparents and your parents and your brothers that are that have played that are in the stands watching you play now. And it's the legacy aspect. And I think a lot of it from a leadership perspective is you focus on one, you have to have a buy-in you have to have a culture. But I think if your culture um, also deals with uh, respecting kind of the past and trying to be a part of history and be yep. a part of like adding your, keeping the legacy going and not being, cause nobody wanted to be the group that let down. No. Like, and, and, and the thing was it's, that, that did weigh on some people though on the, and I yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, and every, and, and I'm not trying to make it sound like it's more of this at the end of the day, it is a high school soccer team, but at the, at, at the same time, it is, it is slightly different there. Um, and like you're saying he, all the time, he would be like, there's people that want to be in your shoes and you're like a 15, 16 year old kid sitting in a gym. Like really, you know, there's some 18 year old, 19 year old kid out there and wants, yes. And yeah. it's true, like, if you don't get to, I guess, follow your passion or, or, or get to continue this sport or this thing that you love, um, this is it. So take take it for what it is and, and don't take granted for it. And the one thing I will say about Rob and people, I don't know how, how this is going to come across, <laughs> but people will say, obviously, Class D, you know, it's Class D, it's easy. Rob played at Oneonta when it was a Division One. Mm-hmm. He won a national championship. He... And I, I would never say any of these nice things to his face. Don't don't get me wrong. If I if I see him, I'm going to be mean, and I'm, I wouldn't say one nice thing to him, obviously. But um, he 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 took all that and he brought a national level grade. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that these all of the kids that played at Cheesy could have went and played um, collegiate sports, but there's a large portion that did and could have, and that's because of the way that he went about our, our the way that we practiced and the way that we did, came in and every day. Yeah, he could have coached anywhere he wanted. Yeah, to there, be honest, there was a disproportionate amount of good soccer players that came out of a D two or D a class D school. Yeah, because like, I, you don't see that other class D schools. And a lot of people, I remember kids asking me like, "Oh, we heard that you guys brought people in," or I was like, "No, we were all born around one of the cornfields in that town, and, unfortunately." And what's, <laughs> and what's crazy is I could probably count on one hand, at least in the time that I ever played soccer, where someone moved into Shazy and became an impact player. Very rarely. Yes, uh, Nick Nick Goff from E Town is one. is He's yep. probably the most the most famous because he obviously went from uh, a rival over. But yeah, there's not that many that I can. Well, really the only other one of. I can think of is Stetson. Well, and, but Stetson had ties to the area too. So like <clears throat> you can't you could argue. I mean, there's very very rarely is a player coming from another school that gets dropped into Shazy and you're like that that person came they moved into the district of yeah Stetson and and I know Stetson Fields extremely well and I hate to say he's a one-off I always aspire like and don't get me wrong when I when I mention my own name I, I want to mention it with the greatest players in the area but when Stetson Fields came in he, he was playing at the Colorado Rapids junior team prior which a lot of people didn't understand like at the age of 14 or 15 mm-hmm. um, he's already on a semi-professional team almost being groomed by you know this professional Colorado Rapids team he moves here because of the ties um, but even Nolan could dribble a ball. I could dribble a ball. Uh, Clay Sherman, once again, um, Hunter Mowry. These kids can dribble a ball. I, I hate to say that. I hate to say anyone's better than me at anything. It really does detest me. But when you watch Stetson Fields with a soccer ball at his feet, um, 
it's it, it's it is another level. There's another level. Um, he could have played Division One. He could have played professional. He Stetson most likely could have played professional soccer had he had, unfortunately, a little bit more a little bit more structure around him. Yeah, I, I really do think yeah. it's as simple as that. I, I think he was the only one that I could think of that moved into the area. Yes. that played and he moved in again at 05 team, mm-hmm. and he was. I mean, a little. I mean, we all know him, but a little yeah. short guy. And, and they were like, we're, "We're not thinking anything of this kid." And and he was good, and he would come off the bench, and yeah. then my junior year, he would play. And I think, I think my junior year, he, I forgot even where he played my junior mm-hmm. year, but he played. But I think he, I want to say he was still on the off. The, I'd say off the bench. I think he started on the outside midfield. He might have been on the outside that year. And but again, that team was stacked. Like that yeah. was a very very good team. And that was also the only year that I believe that we were ranked regionally as a team because we had went 50, I think it was 54 games until yeah, we lost. Yeah, because you, you had went, and that's the only reason why I, I mentioned that 10, like when we were going into 10, because we had gone like 45, but you guys had like another, even though we were at 45, you guys had like another 11 games on us that you had went yeah. prior, which is impressive. And and I don't know like what he was doing for you guys coming out in 06, but I know 07, he was obviously there. He was a main staple. And in 08, like single oh. hand, and single-handedly in 08, I mean, I was an eighth grader and still had a great season. Well, but like, him and Jason Baker brought you yes, to that. Yes, and don't, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, Jason Baker, was he was the engine in the middle. But uh, the goal he scored, I still remember. I don't remember a lot of people scoring other goals. The one goal that he scored against E-Town um, in the sectional – finals um who jason no jason scored the game one because it was yeah. one one yeah but people and that's why people kind of forget stetson's goal because jason scored in overtime um stetson took the ball from half dribbled through eight people as lightning fast as you can and when i say put pl- you could have placed it with your hand in the top corner where you hit it from the 18 that it was a jaw jobbering it was so, it was unbelievable so stetson my <clears throat> my senior year started center midfield yeah stetson and and the crazy thing was, I think people forget this. My senior year, we won the state championship. The last Nolan's last career goal mm-hmm. was in the regional finals. Yeah, I think Stetson, Nolan. I think Stetson scored all three goals over the weekend, yeah. and he, including the state championship game, which I've seen it. I believe I've seen it. Um, I think it was Kathy who taped it. Probably and Baker, Mrs. Ryan. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt Kathy. Yeah, Aunt Kathy. Yeah. So as I'm dri- dribbling the or not dribbling the ball, as Jason was dribbling the ball up, he played a through ball to Stetson. I believe Stetson hit it with his left foot across the field into the side net, yeah. and it was like 11 minutes left in the game. We won one nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember, um, I I don't. We would not have won the state championship that year if we didn't have Stetson. And then yeah. this, um, just purely for the fact that he was one of the engines. Nolan yeah. obviously was our best yeah, player. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He was the engine, one of the engines with Jason, but. We ended up this his senior year. I was still I still remember this. I had just graduated. I was not coaching that year. I went and watched a summer league game. Yes, and I remember it was on the old varsity field. Yeah, and you guys were playing. I forgot who it was, and and it's weird because I hadn't played with Stetson since November. So right. now we're talking. This is like June or July. Yeah, I remember Stetson picking the ball up in that game on his foot at midfield. And he, the, he was the absolute quickest person I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life dribble a soccer ball. And it, it, like it, at, at this kind of level, not yes. professionally. Yeah. And I remember looking at him, and the, now you're talking, this is eight months removed since, since we had last yeah. played together. The, the pace that he had with the ball on his foot in that summer league game, I was like, this is a different player. Like, it, a bet, I mean, he was fantastic. Yes. He just, he had completely leveled up. Something, something did change. Um, I mean, I had watched him beforehand, but like, 
and once again, love. I played as I played with a lot of people that I mirrored my game around. I mirrored my game, tried to be around professionals, but I hate to say it, I really did try to dribble, uh, go at similar attacking, and as Stetson did, because mm-hmm. I watched him. I played with him in that eighth grade year, and the lot of thing like a lot of time people was like oh he must have been doing like he wasn't doing any crazy moves he was he was literally running by you with the ball he He was just running by you rob rob told us this all the way growing up is if you can learn how to cut the ball really well with pace you'll blow by everybody a little fake here a little a little hip swivel a little move a little a little ball movement or something like that um and and the thing is don't get me wrong i played with a couple guys in college like alessio vitale um Eduardo, Alex Minsker, Tom Benedetto, uh, Ben Furlitt, some of these kids from like these these other areas that Ed, Eduardo, this kid named Eduardo from Rochester, kind of reminds me the most of Stetson, just ball absolutely glued to their foot type type players, and these are people who uh, did play Division One or mm-hmm. did have you know prep school and, and Division One offers, and even though grades and things like that, that's the thing with college, you don't always get into where you're want to go or where you see yourself and we had two or three division one transfers at at Potsdam my first year and I got there or maybe they weren't transfers or had the offers I know one kid for sure was um and I'm not saying that they weren't as good because they're they're the way that they played the game the way that they passed their their physicality and even probably their IQ was better than Stetson but still on the ball beating you finishing they they weren't they weren't as good yeah Um, Stetson I and again, having grown up with Nolan, yes, I would still say Nolan's the best player just because mm-hmm. he could finish and, and his demeanor and everything about him, his leadership. But um, from a purely skill, dribbling, talent, physicality ness, I Stetson, it's hard. It's hard. Stetson's it's a really right hard. It's a really hard. I, I mean, either of them. I, I was thinking about this too. Like, if you ever put was the all time Shazy top eleven. Mm-hmm. Like if you could ever have that art. I mean, we used to, remember we used to like yeah. say that back in the yes. day. Yeah. It's so hard to make that like. There's some people you'd be like, they must be on it. And like, but really? Because if you start looking at, there's this person. Just take, this just take person. the forwards. Like, yeah. who's your top two forwards? I mean, Nolan's a shoe in, but like, who's uh, the other one? But I and, and like, is it you? Is I would this, say I would. I would. And the only reason is because Stetson could maybe play multiple positions, and like maybe now looking at it, maybe I could play like more CAM. Um, I would put me there, and then I'd put either Stetson or I'd put I would put me there, and then I'd put Stetson on a wing, or I'd put him in the middle. But then you have Jacob. Spiegel, you have Corey Lewis, and I hate to say even Joel, you have Kevin Ryan. Yeah, those yeah. are all great. My brother Ian, my brother Ian was the first he was person. A stud. Yeah. He was the first person to break a hundred goals. He was the first person to break a hundred goals in, in in the area. He was the first one to do it. So like he was my original benchmark. Don't get yeah. me wrong, my brother Your Ian. Bro- Ian was yeah, my my brother, and then he was also the first. Well, besides him and Kevin, they were the two first like real local people that then went and played at Plattsburgh State mm-hmm. locally. Kevin Jesse, played on the uh, the Final Four team. Yeah, and yeah. I mean Jesse uh, is it Jesse Saunders? the Shaughnessy kid eventually came yeah, down Pat. the line, and then. You know, Ethan Botra has played there, and Clay Sherman has played there as well. Um, with I, I know I'm missing other guys. Um, maybe, yeah, yeah, Austin. yep, from Northeastern. Yeah, uh, but I hate they they didn't quite like my when my brother made it. He played, he scored one game. He was like one for one. He had like a thousand per shot percentage. So he was like he was like leading the NCAA for like however many months. <laughs> but those were the people that I originally you know set my mark for. That's what everyone sets their mark for. But when you say it, yeah, it's. 
It's really hard to pick a top eleven. It really is. I, I think it's hard because then you start like, who's the best goalie of all time? Yeah. And then I, it's like, and that, and, and a lot of people, you can go through Jeff Kwiatkowski, like Sean, and then you have Austin Santor, and I have to, I, you have to throw all three of them in there. You have to, you have to. You know what's funny? I think I asked Rob one time, and I think he still said he would take Jeff. Well, Jeff Kwiatkowski, like no offense to the other two, just like I watched him playing with Ian and Joel, um, did things that didn't seem like he wasn't the most. Um, fundamental, if you will, but he would pull a save that you wouldn't see coming out of nowhere, and I, most see, people wouldn't get to it. I, I always, it was tough because I played. Sean played for two years. Sean was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I played with Jake Beeman. Jake was really good, mm-hmm. and then I ended up um, coaching with Austin for mm-hmm. pretty much his whole career. Right, and part of me when Austin when Austin was a junior senior. I actually, in my head, yes. a couple times thought that Austin could be the best goal we've ever had because yes. he was technically very good. Yes. And at, remember him at his 11th and 12th yes. year? He filled out. He he, like, he got big, and then he started demanding the box. And like the goals that he got scored on him as well really, I can't say weren't his fault, but, but and, were, and, and, in a way, they weren't his fault. Yeah, there's a lot of goals that he... Yes. I mean, the one goal that I, I think that was probably the most heartbreaking was his senior year when they scored... Oh. Um, down in the finals, but it was the it was the I forgot who we even played. Was it Hamilton? Yeah, we played Hamilton. We lost one out to Hamilton. Yeah, and they played this ball where he, I remember the kid came up and it was a weird goal because he got to the top of the eighteen and kind of like played this ball out. And I remember Austin kind of I don't even know if he dove. I think he kind of just like thought it was going wide. Something weird. And it was just it basically went and kind of like slowly rolled and bent in and caught the corner and rolled in. It, it was like was, the weirdest, almost yeah. like play to stop. And you're like, wait, that went in the net. When it went in, I do it, remember everyone kind of being like, it almost oh. felt like a timeout. It almost yeah. felt like someone just called a dead ball and was like the kid kicked after the play. Cause everybody kind of stopped and watched it. It was weird, but that was the only, and I don't even know if he could have gotten that. Like, cause it was just kind of, he was screened and it was kind of a really slow moving ball. And yeah. it was just an odd play, but there wasn't a whole lot of, I don't know. It's just like there's certain. It's very tough to do that because then I look like, you know, who is the best sweeper of all time? And I again, my heart always tells me Jordan Spiegel because he but, played all the way through. And, but then, and, but Nathan I, Reynolds. I would say Nathan. Yeah, and, I, and that's. But then you can make an argument: Nathan Reynolds in center midfield yes, was better than Nathan Reynolds at sweeper. And that's my other thing too. That about my when we talk about this 2012 team, 2005 team is like. Nathan Reynolds and Josh Barrier were engines in the middle. They would match and up. You could put Josh up there, yeah. And you would, and they would match up with whoever's in the middle, relatively decent. Jordan Barrier was my favorite center midfielder to play with. That has nothing to do. I probably, I honestly probably connected with Nathan better, played with Nathan better, honestly, my senior year, just because we were, I'm not saying men, but we were boys, yeah, uh, full were. grown, full grown boys at the time. Um, but playing with Jordan. Um, me and Jordan just we we played on PFC, we played on club soccer, we played some smites. We just knew how to find each other, get each other the ball. Well, if you ever look at Jordan too, Jordan, I believe, still to this day is the only Shazy player to play in five state championship games. That's that's false. Who was me and Nathan as well? You played in five. I was in 10, 11, and twelve. Did you? I should have five to be honest. Oh eight, we should not have lost. Uh, and then 11, you just said it was the most makeshift goal I've ever seen. Wait, you played in five also? You and yeah, Nathan? me and Nathan. And Ky- I believe Kyle and Nolan. No. They did, did. Did Nolan? Wait, no, sorry. Nathan didn't play your, your eighth grade year, though. I, I'm pretty did he? Sure. Was I'm, he on that team? We both got moved up in eighth grade. Oh, okay. So, and I think he, I'm pretty sure he might have even started eighth grade as sweeper. I'm almost positive. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. If he didn't start, he was in the back. He moved okay. up with me, so maybe no, 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 no one and Kyle definitely didn't because um, so Jordan. I know Jordan did because he went oh seven, oh eight, nine, ten, eleven. 
Well, yeah, and and well, Nolan and Kyle were junior year. We lost, and then right, and then in eighth grade, Nolan was on the team, but they didn't make the finals. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm saying this is actual like the, not the final four, but state championship games. I didn't know that. No, I mean state championship games. Oh, I'll, I'll go through them. We lost to Hamilton in 08, three to four. And we were up three nothing. <laughs> like 20 minutes left. Like 20 minutes left. I cry about it. Um, 2009, we won one nothing to Northville. Yep, I, on I, your goal. Scored a PK. <laughs> Upper right, no big deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I closed my eyes. 2010, uh, Jordan Barrier actually scored against Hamilton again uh, to go back to back. That was your. That was 2010. That was Jordan's junior year, my yeah, tenth right. grade year. Yeah, you're right. Eleven week. Kinda... That, now that one's on hometown cable. The entire. I game. I've watched that one. Yes, yeah, that, that was one. a great game. That was that... also a good John Treking game. <laughs> it was actually. You get MVP. Yeah. He did. Um, and then eleven, we like you just talked about loss, and then 2012, uh, we had a tight game against Poland. We won one nothing. Um, but at the same exact time, it wasn't that tight. That was a state semi, and then we rolled over four Dan four nothing in the final. You only beat Poland one nothing. It was actually it wasn't like I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't close because it was one nothing. Yeah, and it was off that weird goal where the, I hit it, I hit a direct oh, kick. Yes, I still have that on my phone. Spiegel <laughs> sent it to me yeah. years ago. Yeah, when the goalie kind of like threw it into the he net, could, like literally like thinks he's like that I don't was know, Poland. Yeah, I don't know if it was a spin. It kind of took like a one hopper, and it looks like he caught it. And then yeah, because he played on that like that fourth field kind of thing yeah, across the road. It was so awful, and yeah. and, and and that was that was the only ball that hit the back of the net that game. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. So Jordan, myself, and Nathan. Um, but I know Kyle has three. Nolan has three. I have three. Um, I think we're the only ones that have three. Unless there's some newer kids. I I, I wish Nathan? I was. Nathan Reynolds has three. Three. You, Nathan, Nolan, and Kyle. Kyle. That's uh, right. Jordan, uh, unless Jordan has three. Jordan won in 07. 07. Jordan has three. Jordan has yep. three. Yeah. So then those would be it. Um, but Jordan or Josh Barrier? No. He didn't win three? I don't think so. And, I, and now I'm going to sound like now everything. I, I can only be honest. I think 13 they tied, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong. I don't know if they did or didn't. I thought I don't know if one they year t- there was a tie, but I don't know if that was 14 or 15. I don't know if Josh was on the team or not. Because if if he was on the team that they tied, then possibly he might have been there for 10. He was definitely there for 12. Um, I don't think he was there for 10. I'm almost positive because Caleb. No, because Caleb and Jordan played every single game. So he was he was not there for ten. We lost eleven, um, and then we won twelve. So I think he was. I think his first year was eleven. Probably, that makes sense because he was probably a freshman. Yeah, because Jordan was just enough older than him. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so three. The other thing we've never done is won three in a row. It's impossible. I'm just gonna write it down as impossible. I mean, and the other thing is too, like the other there's other schools, and you know, and like when Plattsburgh won, Plattsburgh's now won it twice, I believe. They did. Plattsburgh won it, and I think the same year we won it. They won it either in 2009 or 2010, um, and that was the first time they broke through and won it. And then I think they won it again, like after I had graduated, either 13 or 14. Uh, I, I, no, I think they won around 2016, 17. Okay. No, I was coaching, so it had to be 15 or 16. I know they won the one year because I believe it was my buddy, Michael Bennett, who I know from mm-hmm. yep, Men's Mike. League, from yep. Men's League um, and everything else, obviously. I think the night before the state championship game, and he was one of their better players, like snapped his arm in the hotel room. That was my... Okay, so so that game... And then I thought that, they won. I thought they went out no, and won the next okay, day. So, okay, or so I, I know where your mind's at now. So they won... I think it was one year we didn't make it. 
So whatever year we end up losing, they went off and won it. They won it, and that I remember being at the game because I went down to the Final Four with Rob, uh, Brian, and, and Corey. Right. We went down. That was I mean it was, that was a fun weekend with the coaches, but we uh, we uh, mostly at the expense of uh, Thompson. But it was yeah. that was a fun weekend. Um, but that was the we ended up watching them win it that year. That was the year E Town made it to the finals. Yes, and lost in the finals, and we went to th- those games too. But then the game you're thinking of was my senior year, so Mike would have been a junior. I think Mike was a year behind me. So backed up when we had lost to E Town yeah. to break our like fifty something game yeah. streak. Yeah. We lost that game, which is the last game of my junior year. The first game of my senior year was Plattsburgh. We lost to them in overtime right. three one. Right. And Stetson had scored to go up one nothing with like fifteen yeah. minutes to go. Yep. And I think Pat Shaughnessy scored two of the he, three he might, Yeah, he might have dropped two on him. And we ended up losing that game. Well, we ran the table the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So we lost. We had, like I think, a 54-game win streak. Lost two games in a row and then rattled off another like 20 wins in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we ended up winning the state championship game. They ended up going to the Class B finals. And I, I don't want to say it, but I think they got smacked in the Class B finals. Maybe. But maybe. They, but they went in. Um, and they ended up going to the finals, but I remember going into the game, we went into the hotel room and I remember seeing, I think it was Crystal Rose came out yeah. and Rob was like, what's going on? Cause I remember us kind of saying like, what's going on? And Mike had hopped up one bed to another or something. And literally snapped his snapped arm Snapped his half. arm in the hotel at the final four <laughs> and couldn't play. And I was like, I remember when he said that and I was like, oh crap. Cause of course we were playing at the time too. Yes. And I remember Rob being like. All right, guys, listen. Like this is not. We're in a hotel. Relax. Like, yeah, playing. don't. No one. No one move. Yeah, pretty I, much. I remember. I remember Rob like kind of not in a bad he br- way. He, he brought up that story almost every weekend. Hey, uh, guys, and this and you would bring it up and like remind people to. Yeah. Because you know when you get the little, you get those like size zero soccer balls and you'd be ripping balls in, <laughs> in the hall in the hallway and stuff before the game and and Rob was not feeling it anymore after after Michael did that. Yeah, so that was a coaching moment, even though it wasn't our team, but it was still, we learned about it. And that was, but a lot of it too is like when you, Rob was very good at, if you're going to go play, you got a job to do, mm. like we'll celebrate after. Mm. Like, you know, it's fun, we're here, but mm. he goes, we didn't come here just to participate in the game. Like, you, you know, you're, especially at, at a certain point, we were the team to beat. So he's like, yes, you get a track record. Like you show up. And again, this was years and years of us going down and like knocking on the door and finally and losing, we started winning. And then it was losing, like, yeah. Oh, by the way, you guys, yeah. And losing. Yep. Now it's all of a sudden we started winning. It's like, Oh, by the way, you're the guys that are trying to knock off. So it's like, make sure you show up and, and play. Well, and, and the thing is too, like, and once again, back then, obviously, and I hate to say, it, you know, I would, I would greed, I would bleed green if you, if you will. But mm-hmm. looking back at it now, taking as a more ho- holistic view, NCCS has made it there. Um, I know NAC has made it. Uh, Plattsburgh, like I say, I know has won it. Uh, Beatman Town, I'm pretty sure, made it to the finals uh, once, or maybe 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 it was, maybe it was only the a, final four. For I, sure, I, I'm pretty sure. So like, and they were all, you know, I hate to say it this way, like in the 20s, in the 21st century, not in the 90s, if you mm-hmm. will, has been all more recent. That alone kind of just shows. It shows the the quality um, of kids in, in the area as a whole. If you have multiple schools from the same section, um, being section seven, being section seven, sorry, making it, it kind of speaks volumes for itself. Because there's a lot of the other regions or a lot of the other sections that we play against. Every school is bigger um, or has more money, and I hate to say it that way, but like Clinton County itself, if you look at it, you go down to like New York City, Buffalo, Rochester. 
these kids are playing on like what I would call a Walt Disney travel team where mm-hmm. really they're they're going to Florida, they're going to Ohio. They're 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 getting the money. They have a longer season too. They do. They really yeah. do. And, and people are like, "What do you mean? Like it gets colder? They play a little bit longer. They have more teams. They have a longer they have a longer schedule." Um, so the fact that we can come out, any team, any school around here could come out and, and do and compete down there against the section fours and stuff like that, it, it kind of speaks of its. It speaks for itself. And anyone who, if they do listen, Calvin once again. And I know we've been rattling about this for probably 45 minutes now. Um, if you haven't went and looked at it, go watch them. I hate to say it that way. If there's a game that you're kind of, eh, maybe. And I, I was hesitant at first and going, like, what am I doing? I watched a couple, and I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm ha-, but I'm, like, really happy that they're there. Yeah. Um, when I'm older and I can't get out of bed, and I hate to say it, and I'm feeling sad maybe. <laughs> I might throw one on. Like, I used so, to be fast. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> look, look at me. Like, it's it's just like your dad, and I hate to say it. Um, your your dad is it, what him and Joe Poisson did for us, and what Calvin did for us. And I know you know NCCS probably had their own guy, and Beatman Town had their yeah. own guy. We're very fortunate to have those games on film. Um, we're very fortunate that Hometown Cable has been around because. If not, they're just memories, and yeah, memories are great, but it's it's way cooler to, to replay or rewatch a memory. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> it really is. Well, I think it's it's funny too when you're watching with the old five team. Like, let me let me watch and see if they're actually as good as I remember. As, as I remember, and that's why I watched 2012, and that's why I'd watch when we would play Plattsburgh at the beginning of the season, like 09 or in 10, because it would be a one nothing game either way or going to overtime. And those Class B schools were making it to the state championships or making it to the finals. We were winning them. You want to watch to see if it's actually as good as you thought it was. And and, and sometimes I will say it's it's better than what you think. Yeah. And then there's other times you're like, that was a pretty ugly. That was a pretty ugly game. Well, and I watched some plays, like the one I watched the other day, and I've seen like some of the sequences and a couple of the goals that were scored. I'm like, those are Good, those are great goals. Like, yes. and, and it's not, you kind of look at some and like, okay, there was a mistake and stuff, but then you start really watching. And again, having been on the coaching or being a player, then a coach, and yeah. then, and then seeing it kind of as a fan of, you know, and kind of looking and, and I'll be the first to admit, like if there's a new player and I think they're better, like, absolutely. I'll say like, they're, they're a great player, but there's only a handful where you really look at like, like Heath Lucas just graduated. Like mm-hmm. I think Heath and like Riley Hanson were really, really good players. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, those guys you could start to stack up against yes. like the, the upper echelon because yes. every team's got like if you look at your team, I would deem that you look at you and um, and Nathan as the two standouts yes. of that of those like maybe your senior class. Yeah. Like when we played, it was probably Nolan and Kyle, like mm-hmm. Fountain. Like those were our two better players. And then obviously you had Jason Stetson and yeah. like a grade above me, you had. I mean, you could argue a handful of them because yeah. you had the Spiegels and and uh, Casey and a couple of those guys, um, but. <laughs> When you start really picking out the top players and seeing how they played, like back then, the benefit I always found when I played with those guys, like J- Jake Spiegel, when he played center midfield, was a coach. Yeah, and I like he he understood the game. He and I, there's nobody I've ever played with, and there's nobody I've ever seen since that could control the tempo. It almost felt like when we were playing, it was like almost like Jake went up to like a thermometer yes. and was like, okay, we're going to turn the speed up. Okay. You know what? We're going to turn the speed down and yeah. everybody's going to go the same exact speed that I want to go. And he ran it, J- Jake Spiegel back when he played, I think single handedly set the tone for every game he played. <laughs> and he also, if like he made us as a, as players and also made the other team play to the sp- pace he wanted to play at. 
and usually he was a smart enough guy to realize what pace to play at to, to make sure they lose. My 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 thing is, <laughs> I'm very I'm I'm very critical. I really am. Like, there's nothing. I, we've been talking about this now, and I feel of bad. yourself or of other players. Of well, obviously of myself, myself more than anyone else. But like now, when I do watch, yes, and when I do watch younger players or being in the men's league and stuff, I am. Like, I won't say anything, and don't get me wrong, but in my mind, and I hate to say it like this, I am judging your touch, your decision-making, your athletic ability, Mm -hmm. because if I'm on the field with you, and I'm 27 or 28, about to be 28 now, and you got me by four or five years, you better be running circles around me. Because if you're not, I, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm, you could do better, and that's how I, I've always been like that. And that's so. When you talk about, there's a few kids. There are. There's definitely still kids, um, that are coming through that are very, very good. Don't get me wrong. And then there's kids that were older than me that were very, very good. It's, it's like you're saying who you're playing with, what your mindset is. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I always thought too highly of myself probably and if anything i mean it did make me sometimes maybe actually play better play maybe above or with a little extra confidence but i really like you're saying i watched jacob spiegel i watched Corey lewis i watched um jesse uh shaughnessy i watched uh jordan knight jordan knight um like physical wise on both of the night from plattsburgh from plattsburgh yeah like Jordan Knight could have probably ran track professionally. Like, and I'm not just saying that. Yeah, he, he was and, fast. And he, he, he was strong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I look at the physicality of it in kids these days compared to kids that days and, and see if they would stack up. And then what people will say, well, the, the style of play now is a little bit cleaner or it's a little bit more in depth or they, they pass the ball better. So there's always someone's trying to say, hey, it's no, it's this or no, it's that. Um, if you have if you have the intangibles, I guess you have the intangibles, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what what genre, what gear, um, what type of sport or soccer you are playing, you're, you're still going to rise to the occasion, I guess. Well, the, the game's always going to evolve too. So yes. it's like, it, and this is any sport. We always pick at like if you really take like professional sports, that is, and any take any professional sport that is the upper echelon of players yes. in across the world yes. at that point in time in the history of that sport. So what happens is at that point in time. If you look at, let's take baseball, or let's take yeah. basketball, or let's take soccer, those athletes, and we'll take soccer in this case, the professional athletes, or the professional soccer players, are all look about the same. Yes. fit the, They're all, I mean, you could say, yes, is Messi an outlier? Absolutely. You could have a guy he's, that's six foot. He's, he's also the GOAT, so yes. yes true. Yeah. So so. You, but he could be six foot six. <laughs> yes. But at the end of the day, you're looking at roughly the same body type. Yep. It might be a little taller, but they're about the same. If you're yep. six foot, you weigh this. If you're five, seven, you weigh this. And you kind of gel because it's what you need to do. And I find that soccer back, like if you ever flip through like- uh, They were bigger. When I, when I had uh, Coach Brenler on, yes. he was talking about the old days and how things have evolved. And But again, back in those days, like- the soccer was different. They played a different style. They were learning. They were still learning the sport. Yep. But as it's evolved and we've been able to take building blocks of past generations, and then you would think the kids are going to get better at it. The one thing that I thought was true when I was coaching from when I was playing was that the, the skill level of players I thought was getting better. Mm-hmm. But I did find that the men- mental part of players was starting to fall behind a little yes. bit. And I think that the players mentally were a little bit softer but physically, they were a little bit more gifted. And I don't know if that's because... And I think a lot of it had to do with more ability to play. Yeah. 
I think maybe sometimes understanding the game better. I would say, I would almost say that kids might understand it better now and aren't as physically gifted. Like, and I'll I'll use Nolan obviously. Like Nolan, like yes, I practiced. No, Stetson practiced. Nolan practiced. We all practiced every day with a soccer ball, dribbling as fast as we possibly could. But at the same exact time, that is a natural. That is at the end of the day a natural thing. That was a natural. That was naturally given to us that we were going to be able to do this. I sometimes don't. I wonder if you aren't built with it. You know, born with it. Yes, you can build it. Cristiano Ronaldo is built. He has built his game. He has built himself to the standard that he has made. Is everyone? Is everyone Cristiano Ronaldo? Can they keep that mental aspect in their head, saying, "Hey, I need to be better. I need to be better. No days off. No days off." And it's true, though. And looking back at it now. Uh, especially in college, I wish I would have had a little less fun. And I, and that's hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not till after you look back and you say, oh, I could have, I could have done this. I could have ran a little bit more. I could have been in a little bit better shape. And I don't know if that was the college aspect of it. Cause I was then in college and there was more stuff going on. Um, it, it, it's hard for me because I think, <laughs> I don't want to say when you say like mentally are getting softer, mm-hmm. now does that have to do with the day and age? And I'm not trying to get into a, a generation debate, if you know what I'm saying. Do, do you find that, because I, I didn't play college sports. I was, you, you, you played both yeah. college sports. Um, the, do you find that going from high school to soccer, do you find that you maybe didn't put as much effort in as you did in high school for these I'll give you a couple options and see if any of them are true yeah one that you went from Shazy that you grew up because I would I would argue more than many many kids you grew up with Shazy soccer more than a lot of kids because your brothers were older uh, so I mean you were in it I mean you were like in it, it wasn't literally like literally from the the day that I knew How I was, was in, Ian what's Ian's age difference? Ian's Ian's now 35 or maybe even mm, I might be wrong he might be 36 so there might be an eight or nine year difference okay so so, so he came through in 1999 2000 like when you were talking about knocking on the door when you were probably just getting into kindergarten I, I was yeah, I think so. Ninety nine, two thousand was like when I was so, going. So I was ball boying. I used to ball boy at Seton when they had the nice Seton field. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I used to be like, okay, this is a field I can't wait to play on. Now it's no longer there. Yeah. Um, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two. Ian and Joel growing yep. up, knocking on well, the Joel door. Joel till three, right? Because he was what two thousand four. Yeah, maybe two thousand three. Knocking on the door. Yeah. Ian, like I said, was always. Top goal scorer, very doing very well, and Joel played center, started center midfield. My dad was prior to year with. I don't know if it was your dad's generation. My dad might be a little bit older, but like you're talking about Brendler in the '70s and the '80s, my dad wasn't a slouch by any means. Mm-hmm. My dad got a Division One offer back in the '70s and should have taken it. You should have taken that, father. Um, and uh, you know, so like you're saying, I'm not. And when I say pressure, it, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It wasn't like. It wasn't like pressure that, oh, I'm here, we have to win. It was like pressure I put on myself. Like, not only do I want to win, I, I want to I want to be the guy uh, that, that does it. Or I want to be the guy that helps, it puts the well, ball in the net because of those things that I saw. Well, yeah, and you were, you're, you're still driven. I think you were a very driven person. Yes, yes. But I think, like, every – you talk about I'll, – I'll get back to the college thing in a second. Yeah, like, if yeah. you um, – like, you were a driven person, I think that – if I had to take the five years of Brandon, like on soccer, yeah. I would say your eighth, ninth grade year, you were still very green. You were yes. new. You yes. were like, I want to learn. I'm the young guy. I still yeah. have that energy. I found that your 10th 
in 11th grade year, I think you started to get to the point where you now were becoming one of the, the senior people on the team, yeah. not from an age group, but just because you've been yeah. on it for three yeah. or four years at that point. But I think that you were starting to lose a little bit of like that young energy and you were getting too caught up in like, I got to be the best player. I got to do this. I got to yeah. do this. And, and you were still, I think demanding it from yourself because you were a very, you, you were a high achiever. I and, think, I think I put too many, I wanted, I put numbers on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what it was. I, I, I wanted to see this number. I wanted to see that number instead of, I wanted to win said game, play game. Well. Yes. You, you got to, you went from, yes. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to be the best, blah, blah, blah. And I want to be the best for the team too. I want to be the best player, which yes. then got very, I think it was more yourself. Yeah. Like, kind of being distracted from the whole but then yes. i think when you got to your senior year you were a completely different player and you were a leader and i think at that point you had such a great class and i think that the thing that the senior year does for you that it doesn't do any other year you know it's your last year yes. you know there's nobody above you right. you know that it's you and any your peers and mm. everybody else is younger than you so i think at a point you take a leadership position at your senior year knowing i have nobody to prove anything to this is my last hurrah and I'm going to now give everything I have for my, basically the, the kids you, the boys you grew up with from a little kid. And now you're at this age where you're like, okay, yeah. all those. And, and it's something that happened in my senior year. It's like when you get to the point where you're like, I'm now the oldest person. I've been watching these teams play since I was a kid, which goes into the culture that Rob has established. Because Rob's been doing it now for many, many years. I mean, I, I hate the fact that I know this, but like back in 2012... He had already been there for however many years, and he had already racked up something like 330 wins. And you got to think that's almost 10 years ago. 2001 right now? He, I think he started in 1999. Rob might have, been co- might have coached now for 25 years. That's what I'm, I think he's like 1999, 1998. Oh, he's before that. Okay. So, and I want to say he was probably 2005, 6, or 7. No, it's not 5. 1995, 96, or 97. And, and it's now we're stepping into the year 2022, which doesn't even sound right when so you say is, it. This is actually... Probably like gonna, this, 20, is, this is really like, gonna this is will age him, but he's in his fourth decade right now. He, yes, <laughs> which yes. is crazy. Which and and the the crazy the the crazier part about it is that his daughter's his daughter is now playing varsity sports. Yeah, and I think his son is and uh, his, modified. His son's on the way, so it's like, what are you gonna do there, Father Time? You know, <laughs> I, you're not gonna say, I, no, no. He's gonna he's gonna. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but he might perish on the sideline of the Shazy, the George Brendler Field. That's where it might happen for him. And I, he, and if I said that to his face, he'd probably be like, "You're right, Brandon. You're probably right." Yeah. I, I mean, unless he's not a workaholic and he eventually throws the the towel in and and, and, and enjoys a little retirement here or there. Um, but like you're saying, he's 25 or 26 years in. He had a little spurt. He had a little spurt where he put on a little bit of weight that he had to lose. Um, but since he's come back from that, I mean, he looks like he's really dialed back in. <laughs> well, my, my favorite, my actually one of my favorite moments is when he showed up one time and the kids were running around. I think we were doing a preseason thing and yeah. they did like a hike and he goes, I'm fitter than some of these kids. Yeah. And he was like at the time, like well into his 40s. And yeah. I was like, we were kind of laughing because he got in really good shape. At, uh, I mean, he, I, like I said, he's, pro- he's always been in decent shape, but I'm saying he's got one year he got in really good shape and he was yes. like, working out a lot. And yes. he showed up and you're like, he's, he's pretty good. He's yes. running around. He's yes. getting a little more active at practice. Yes. And I remember him saying something to the effect of like, he was probably f- more fit than like a quarter of the players on the team. I like, could run faster and do more stuff than them. I, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was my, my, my group that was coming through that put that. It was right around 2009, 2010 when I was there that he uh, put the weight on. <laughs> And by 2012, though, when you say that, it was gone. 
I'm not saying it took him two years, there, but like there was one year. It was like a blurp in time. Where he was like, ah, I'm gonna let it go, and then there, he got it back. But there was one year I remember preseason, and I don't know if it was Rob. It might have been Norcross was there. And they're going through the 2.6 times. Yeah. I've been running these things for multiple decades now. So everybody knows the metrics that you have yeah. to hit. And I remember them saying, like, this is the fittest team we've ever had. That's and I think, like, everybody had come in under, like, 25 minutes. And typically, <laughs> at what you when you say 25 minutes, it's always, like, I would say average for most people. When you get that big wave of people yeah. coming in, it's probably between 22 and 25 minutes is when yeah. you kind of get that main wave. And you have a couple kids, though. You, I mean, you've always had a couple kids that are going to run it in a ridiculous 17 or 18, well, 16. Jason Baker's fast I've ever seen. Yeah, they're like 16, 17. Joel was real good. I know I, there I think, was... I want to say Jason broke 15. He might have. No, he might have. He was weirdly... It was the, by far the fastest. Yeah, it was... So when you're running times like that, when you see kids coming in 14, 15 minutes running 3.2 miles, it's pretty impressive. And then I, I hate to use Ian. I was never, don't get me wrong. I was never, the long distance, that no, wasn't, no, I, sure. in, in a race, I'd beat you. But hey, in a hey, long distance, no. Set, session road boys were all fast. Yes. Fast yes. But I'll, like, I'll throw Casey in that too. But but then you have you, all the Stetson road boys, Casey, my brother Ian, and myself, yep. have all had a 2.6 time of probably like 26 minutes. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we would all definitely K had a Casey time. Casey was bottom three it. every time. But if you told Casey to go from here to that door, <laughs> yeah. he's the fastest. Yeah, he would run through the door as well. He would go into stop. <laughs> Casey, I think, broke two of my shin guards when I was playing. Just, I remember he snapped one. We were playing World Cup and just broke it. And I ended up having to like kind tape of tape it. it together. And I, I kept it going for the rest of the season. Um, going back to the college thing that you mentioned, I guess – like you're saying, when you're finally senior in high school and you have, you know, you think you have life by the horns, if you will. When you go to college, it's not really, for me, it wasn't like the shock of being the freshman again on the team. Um, it was more or less like the physical aspect of going away for college. Um, and I didn't go very far. I only went to Potsdam. You're talking about two an hour and 30, hour and 45 minutes away. Um, but it's like... Yeah, you're not seeing Rob, <laughs> and I don't want to say, oh, you're not seeing your dad, but that that's a that's a little bit of a change. And then for me, I, I had always kind of, I'm not trying to make this, by like 16 or 17, 15, 16 years old, I was relatively ind independent, you know, individual. But when you officially are a freshman on campus away from home at college, you kind of realize like you're, a, I don't want to say an adult, but you have that moment where I can, I can do whatever I want right mm -hmm. now. Um, as we've all had is, you know, if I want to wake up and not do anything today, I can do that. So when I got there, soccer was great. Freshman year, like you're saying, I was fighting against these seniors that had been fighting their way on. So I didn't really see as much time as I would have liked to. And I'm not saying it turned me off because it didn't, but I, and I say it the same exact way every single time. Freshman year, second semester, when soccer was done, and I officially had no one to answer to, if you will, I took advantage of that. Um, and then that kind of led me, kind of backtracked me coming into my sophomore year, where I had to really kind of get back to things, if you will. And then you're fighting, not fighting, but then your 11th grade year, okay, I'm back to where I was, I feel good. And then you're like, well, now I need to jump over that. I need to excel, or I need to keep going. So, and then I can't, you can't put everything on the coach. I can't say, you know, it was, it was the coach, it was the coach, it was the coach. Um, you you got it, you got a burden. You got to take some of that responsibility, obviously, yourself. Do, do you find that, well, so I guess my, the things I was going to run by you is, number one, do you find that not being in a system like Shazy where you had a lot of, like, it was just what you grew up knowing it was like 
a lot of pride, a lot of that in the team to now I'm going to a college where I don't know these kids are all from around. Yeah. Like we, the culture hasn't been established for any of us because Shay Z, that culture is established at a very young age. You're and not, when not, you start, yeah. especially as you start going in, it gets ingrained deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's almost like turning back the, like almost like opening more doors and going deeper into why you play so hard. Yes. And then you go to college, you don't have that. You also go to college and you may not have the structure that you had at high school where you had Rob, you had assistant coaches, you had your friends you grew up with, you had their parents, you had teachers, you had people that were in your life that would keep you on the straight and narrow that would tell you what to do or not mm -hmm. to do. Or at least you had enough respect to say, I, sh I have to act a certain way because I don't want to let, I don't want to let mm -hmm. this person down. Where in college, like they don't care about you as much. And no, for, for me I, in college, I always kept myself. I had the same exact thing. I wanted to be on the, I wanted to be the best player on the team day one I showed up. I didn't care who was there, how long they had been there, you know, their accolades, this and the other thing. I wanted to be better than them. And I, once again, I will say it can't be on the coach. And I never lost the love. I never lost the drive or the love for the game. 110%. It's the, it was for me, the structure, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying I had the most structure at home at the time in high school, but what I'm saying is like you're saying you're in school, you're going to practice, Rob's got you, uh, you're going home, you're eating dinner, you're waking up, and you're repeating that. Mm -hmm. You're repeating that somewhat you know, healthy routine and or lifestyle. College, you still have practice, you still are, you, you're probably more structured in actual soccer, if you will, but outside of that, all the other decisions you make are all on your own no one's telling you to go to class no one's telling you to hit the gym no one's telling you to eat correctly no one's telling you not to drink on a tuesday morning i'm just being honest you know no one's or get to bed or yeah or get, so and i'm not saying that i would run myself ragged but yeah I, w I would say more or less it was the structure because unfortunately the way that we're set up here is you're kind of I don't want to say coddled because I was never coddled. <laughs> you're you're brought up, you're brought up, you're brought up, and then you hit college. And depending if you are at staying at home for college, I don't want to say you're thrown to the wolves, but uh, you're let go. Mm -hmm. So now it's uh, how much self how much self discipline do you really have? How much how much uh, concentration and and how I hate to say it how mature are you? Uh, I guess even though I was a little bit older in my age when I went to college, my maturity was still a year. I want to say I wasn't. I'm. I'm not. I'm making it sound worse than it was. Um, but like I said, you don't. You don't have someone in your ear. You don't have Rob telling you. You don't have uh, your best friend telling you. You make friends. I've never had an issue making friends. I made you know friends day one when I got there. But the same exact time, your buddies might be like, "Let's go get some pizza. Let's go play video games. Let's go do this instead of." You know, let's go kick a soccer ball. Let's go get this jog and let's go hit the weight room. Mm -hmm. And and that was my biggest thing um, coming in was like refocusing myself and I guess realizing what was important. Do you think you did that more towards junior, senior year? Yeah, definitely. At, good senior year. Oh, yeah. my Actually, my I mean, and, and I don't know. And someone's probably going to come up to me and call me silly for saying this my my friend so my junior year i had that it was five or six you know uh, suniac goals and a couple or assists or something like that which is a decent season and i think we finished or tied for like the last spot to get into suniacs but like off a goal differential or something like that we didn't make it in and uh me and my buddy chris shrum who's from down in uh, staten island um he he he's always he's always been on yeah you know, these higher end club teams and we came in as freshmen together we were you know 
pretty solid players, if you will. He told me coming into my senior year, and I don't, I've never heard of it prior, and I don't know if it's a real thing or not, but like preseason All-Americans, so they'll, they'll judge your body of work the season before and then kind of taking who's coming in and what year you're in. Yeah, that's in. true. Yeah, they're, they're going to say, you know. I don't know if it is at the D3, but D1, like yeah, football, I, absolutely. So, and they say, you know, these are the people that we're expecting. Going into my senior year, um, me and Chris Schrum were both on that preseason All-American list. So for that was a goal that I had always set. Because, you know, I made an MVAC All-Star. I made a first team. I made a first team All-State. I was MVP, um, which is great. When Once again, Class D. I, you know, Class D high school. People are going to say that till the day I die. So I wanted that, you know, recognition, I guess, if you will, on the D3 or the Suniac level had I gotten it. There's that no one would have been able to take away from me. And unfortunately, um, it, maybe for the kids, if, they, if they're still listening, if they will still be listening to this part, I, going into my senior year, the reason I blew out my ACL, my my super senior year going in, actually, and I couldn't play my very last year, the hardest thing I've ever been through, um, was because I had gotten in trouble. Uh, I had never been in trouble on the team before. I had gotten in trouble. I was suspended, um, and we were playing Plattsburgh, and it was my senior year, and I was, you know, my time to shine, if you will. I was going to make a statement in Plattsburgh, hopefully, at, at, at the game, and I, I literally blew my ACL out, like, two or three days before, not knowing it, um, gallivanting around town, if you will, because I had gotten in trouble. I had already been told that I was going to be suspended for these one, two, or three games. Um, and unfortunately, this is just another, you know, the, how life works. Instead of sitting down and taking it on the chin, if you will, mm-hmm. I went out. Um, and I, I don't even really remember. I was jumping up trying to touch something, and I kind of came down awkward. And I didn't, didn't even feel like I had done it that night. Um, couldn't play against Plattsburgh, and then I tried to go in against Cortland like two or three weeks later with it taped up, and I had been doing rehab, and that's where I finally went. And I missed, I missed my whole season. I didn't get to play one game. My, and it's, I hate to say it, it's, it's, I don't know if you want to call it poetic justice, poetic justice, whatever it was, because mm-hmm. um, that's all, that's all I had planned on. I hate to say, it, even though I was playing Division Three soccer. Uh, even though you know, I was here there, I still thought like, hey, after college, I might I might go chase this ball around some more. I don't care if I have to play semi-pro or not even get paid. You know, I'm going to just do it because it's what I love. It, like you're saying, it's a way for me to detach. And I think it's the only true thing I've ever done that completely takes away all your anxieties. Everything that's going on goes away as soon as that, as soon as that ball is rolled, if you will. Um, and I lost that at the most, probably the most important time of my life. And it left me with some decisions to make, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do now? You know, you no longer have this thing and you're in your fifth year of college. <laughs> I went back for the super senior route um, and you have to graduate. It's not a, it's not a, you, you can maybe graduate. You have to graduate because all the work I had done prior um, was physical labor, you know, either working on my dairy farm with my dad mm-hmm. or um, around town doing roofs or construction. It was nothing really I could put on a resume that I was going to walk out. Uh, if I didn't finish college, that I was going to walk out and be stable, if we're being honest. Blowing out my ACL was the biggest wake-up call I ever had. It was like, if you don't graduate, if you don't get out of here with that diploma, what are you going to do now there, superstar, with your, with your bum knee? So I hate to say that everything happens for a reason. I wish... I wish to this day it had never happened. I wish I played my entire senior year, and who knows if this would be a different conversation. Um, but at the flip side, 
I came out with a degree. And at the end of the day, that's almost more important. And I, my brothers had to go back later and later in life. Um, my mom didn't get her degree. My mom's the hardest working person in the entire world. She grew, she raised five kids. And then I'm pretty sure 36 or like 38, she went back to Clinton to get her, her, she went and got her nutrition degree mm-hmm. and then went to Plattsburgh for two years and did like, I, what is it? Summa Luka? I don't know how to say it, but she Summa was, yeah, there you go. Yeah. She was, she's, she's smart. You know, she's got a brain on her. So <laughs> she was actually, my mom was the first one to graduate school out of my family at like 40, 42. Mm-hmm. And it only, it did literally skyrocketed her professional career, if you will. It, it got her to where she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother slowly did it after my sister and stuff like that. So when I was in, in the position where it's like, you know, get this piece of paper or it could be a really big struggle for you. You know what I'm saying? It was a, it was a very big wake up call, I guess is really what I was trying to say. And had I not gone it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if soccer, I hate to say it, everything that soccer taught me, um, the responsibility, the dedication, the hard work got me into the business field. And now do I wish I would have had to kind of trade one for the other? No. Um, but at the end of the day, it might've been, you know, exactly what I needed. So, um, so what did you do after college? Because you graduated, what, three years ago? Uh, I want to say 2017 was, or 2016 or 2017 was the year I graduated. About four years? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I that's when, the, I hate to say it, things kind of really started to happen for me. Directly after college, um, I stayed up here for maybe four or five months working at Lake Champlain Pools. Mm-hmm. I had done that off and on every summer. Um, like I said, physical labor, it was, it, it was something that got me out of staying in shape, but, and no, no offense to George. I love the man with all the heart with, with everything I have. Um, wasn't a long-term goal. Obviously it wasn't a long-term solution. Um, I had fallen in love if you will at school and I moved down to DC mm-hmm. and I lived in DC for two years and it was, I mean, I, there's no other way to say it, it was absolute best time of my life. Um, I grew as a person, um, more than I had ever grown. Um, you take someone who had lived in upstate New York and went to college at Potsdam and don't get me wrong. I have been to cities. I've traveled like any of us, but until you live in a major metropolitan city, um, you, you don't know what it's like to live in a major metropolitan city, you know? So that was, um, I went down there and I got a job with insight global. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the, say the name, but they were at the time, they were at the time, like the second or third largest recruiting firm in all of the United States. So I really, I went from building pools in people's backyards, um, in Plattsburgh, New York to sitting in an office where I would, I would watch jumbo, you know, the, the 757s come out of, it's not JFK out of Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. out of over the Potomac river, out of my office. I literally had the best death seat in the office. Um, looking over the river, kind of saying to myself, like, how did you, how did you end up here? Um, cause you know, I had, I made a resume, put pretty much all my sports stuff on it and they called me up and they say, Hey, we, we want you here at Insight Global. And it was a IT and engineering, um, recruiting firm. And specifically what we did was work on bills so the government as you know like when a grant or a bill gets created by the government really what they then do with that they then sent that out to be bid by like a raytheon a deloitte uh north of grumman these gigantic multi-billion dollar companies and what these companies have to do with these contracts is they're so big is bring people in you know hey we need to 
hire 50 solution architects. We need to have 50 network engineers. And like our account managers, we would go in, our account, manage, our account managers would go in, try to win that business, try to win those recs, as we would call them. And we put it up on our board and we would try to find, you know, these people, the most qualified people for these positions. Um, and half the time, you know, when you see what you're recruiting for, you're like, how am I going to find a subject, a cybersecurity subject matter expert with 16 different certificates? You know, these people are talking way above your head. So really what it did for me when I got there was open up my realm into IT. Now, I had to learn the jargon. I had to learn what they did. I didn't have to know. I didn't have to be a solutions architect, if you will. Um, we had to find these people and we had to put them in at these positions. And once they got placed in, you know, we would then make our money or make our, you know, a profit off of it. The company would for making that direct hire. Then you would move on to the next one. I got to a point in our office and I'm not, I say this and people probably think that I'm, I say this because it's more mind blowing than anything. Um, I was working with a guy named Jules. We became best friends. He was my account manager. So he would go out and get the business, win the business. And I'd be the guy trying to find these people, trying to fit these requisitions, trying to fit these jobs. Um, he came back one day, smiling from ear to ear. He looks me in the eyes and he goes, Brandon, you will not believe who we just got. And I was like, uh, no, I, I, tell me. He goes, we're going to start recruiting for NASA. And I said, uh, Jules, uh, no offense. I have a communications degree and uh, I don't know if I even passed my sociology. You know, I might have a minor in sociology. What do you expect me to do with NASA? <laughs> He goes, don't worry, we're going to teach you up. We're going to talk you through it. And I'm not, I'm not joking. After about two or three weeks, I'm speaking to propulsion engineers and thermal engineers. And they're saying things to me. And I'm going, oh, you're using that kind of CAD software? Oh, you're using this? And you're, I, I didn't know what I was saying. It was just kind of coming out naturally. And at the end of the day, I looked at myself. And I'm like, who, who are you? Who have you, who have you turned into, if you will? Um, my highlight, my biggest highlight there, I put a jet propulsion engineer on the MIST contract. And if you haven't heard what the MIST contract is, the MIST contract just sent a satellite. I'm not making this up, people. Just sent a satellite up to space. Um, the, the latest, I don't know if it's the International Space Station, the latest one that just mm -hmm. went up. My, the person that I placed at NASA worked directly on that project and that was shot into space. So you have no idea how scared I was <laughs> not knowing that I could possibly have put someone for an absolute natural disaster. But, um, no, I, like at the end of the day, you know, I never thought in a million years I would be sitting in, in Washington DC doing something like that. Um, and I hate to say it, that's all because I was lucky enough to walk out of school with a degree. Um, so, and you just moved down to D.C. Yeah. That, that was like just on a whim. That's like well, I shouldn't say, it wasn't really on a whim. Like I said, I, 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 met, I met someone and I was, you know, I was all in. And there was no reason. I had no reason not to. Um, there was more down there. The job was down there. She was down there. You know, my what I thought my future uh, life at the time was, was all there. So I was all, I was all in, but with a job like that, and I think we might've even talked about it before. And I think you've even maybe even seen the picture that I put up on my Instagram. It was like Wolf of wall street type mentality. And like, I know that sounds great. Everyone's like, Oh, that must've been awesome. 14, 15 hours a day in an office blowing, talking to people and, mm -hmm 
and as you know, um, trying to get, trying to be that, once again, that drive, if you will, to be that person. Well, there's other people in there who are just as driven and have been doing it longer than you. Um, I put something like 40 pounds on in like 13 months, 14 months. And I have never done, I've never, I've put weight on, you know what I'm saying? We've all had fluctuations in weight, but I could tell that I was going through a major life change at the moment. And I hate to say, it, I still think the worst thing I ever did was step away from that position because I was doing very good at it. Uh, I was making placements. I was, you know, one of the better recruiters on our team and our team was growing. Um, and don't get me wrong, the money was phenomenal. The, the money was something that you, you want to continue to chase. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that I'm some like some good person, some good person for doing this, but I took my mental health at that time mm-hmm. over everything else. And I had to, I remember having to walk in and, you know, look at my boss being like, I like everything about this place. You know, I have no issues. Like if I could work here for the next 20 years, I would. But honestly, I don't think anyone who works here for 20 years is going to live that long. Mm-hmm. It's just, the, there is a, there is a part of stress and there's a part, as you know, that we kind of, I, I needed to make once again, a, a decision. Um, <clears throat> And I left, and that's when I kind of got into what I'm doing now in Plattsburgh. But I was still in I was still in D.C. Um, working for a company now called Omni. And now that I kind of had the IT, if you will, from the recruiting, um, I now started just like actually selling IT infrastructure, software, hardware, anything you needed to really run an office, specifically in imaging. Um, which you think of a copiers, and people are like, oh, copiers. Yes, it's it's. It's not, it's, I don't want to say it's not my passion. Uh, I like what I do because what I can do is I can streamline someone's office. I can, I can lower your overhead. I can help you become more self-sufficient and more streamlined in, in, in your day to day, which I like, I like helping. Um, that's why I like recruiting, giving someone a job that they've really been looking for for a long time is satisfying. Um, but you know, it was a similar thing at Omni and I, and I just don't know and I don't want to make excuses for myself. I just don't know if it's because of where I was, you know, working in D.C., working in the Alexandria area, it being so cutthroat. Um, I did well, and it took me a little while to, to kind of get my book of business going, but it was a similar thing where, you know, at the end of the day, you want to have the work-life balance is, um, and I'm only 27, 28 years old, uh, is, extremely, is extremely important. And I was starting to kind of lose little pieces of me, um, unfortunately. And I wish, you know, I wish I'd been stronger then maybe to kind of see it. But I think we all know going through COVID, how hard things have been. And I know this was leading up to COVID. Um, I just, I, I really was not myself. And there's a point where working and creating your future isn't really worth your, your mental health. What uh? So do you f- you think you found a good balance now or better? Uh, I would say the thing I think that thing that I learned the most from there is that nothing you know no matter how good things are going nothing's going to be perfect and you're always going to have obstacles and honestly if things are going too well for you no offense something along the way is probably about to happen a little bump in the road. And now I'm not saying the bumps that I had down there were little. Unfortunately, I felt like every time I had a bump. It was a mountain, if you will. Um, I will say moving up here now, once again, I don't know if it's because it's Plattsburgh in comparison to D.C. And that's no that's no disrespect to Plattsburgh. Um, 
if I've been able to kind of make a little bit more of a better work-life balance because of it, yes. Um, but at the same exact time, I still, it's it's really the first thing I've done and I feel, kind of feel like I failed at, if you will. You know, I, I didn't accomplish what I wanted. It wasn't the best salesman in the office or I left on, on a term that I didn't want to leave on. It kind of honestly, in the back of my mind, it picks at me a little bit. Like I almost want to go back out to an area or something like that to almost to prove to myself, Hey, you did do her. You could continue to do her. It's something that you can do. Um, I think the biggest thing that the best and the best thing that happened when I moved back or when I got back to the Plattsburgh area was having that time to organize, get my feedback underneath myself, um, and kind of understand where I was at. Uh, mentally uh, and emotionally and then I could kind of work and take my work as it was and as I felt better I dove in more and I dove in more and as you know there's parts of there's sometimes where you get into work and work actually makes you feel better mm-hmm. you know you that's all you want to do is work and then there's other times as we were kind of just talking before this where you're like I need a week I need two weeks and I think in in Virginia or in DC when I was living in there it wasn't hey I need a week or I need two weeks it was I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. I, I need to step away for a little bit. But at the same exact time, you can't not be making money there, you know? Yeah. I yeah. I, uh, I mean, when you start, that's one of the benefits, I think, of our area. It's a little slower paced. It's like, I, and I think even attributing it right down to like the traffic, like yes. how many times did you sit, I mean, depending on your commute, like what was your commute like versus, you know, and then you start looking at, you know, some of these places that, I mean, I have, you know, a lot everybody's got stuff going on. So it's like, I never, I never look at myself as like, ah, I'm, I have more going on than you or someone else. It's like, but I have relative in my mind, I always put stuff relative to myself. So I'm like, if I feel busy or if I feel chaotic or I feel things are crazy, that's relative to my life. And like there's points in time, I would say a lot of, uh, last year and then into this year, I felt very overwhelmed. I felt very, um, there's still, I mean, I still even to this day feel overwhelmed in a lot of stuff. And to the point where it gives me high anxiety of like, Hey, I have stuff in my mind. I'm not getting mm-hmm. it done. I don't have enough time to get stuff done. I have, mm-hmm. you know, this now just came on and it's almost like, um, you know, me, me trying, like I have, it's like throwing sand in like an hourglass. Yes. And as the sand's coming out, I'm like, Oh good. I'm going to finally get to the end. They dump more sand on it. It's like, I can't like I just can never finish it. And do you remember? Do you remember like when you're a kid? And I, I, I'm not going to go back to the soccer tangent. We've had enough. I apologize, everyone. But you remember when you're when you're a kid and you have something at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon that day that you had, and all you would do all day was look forward to that thing. It'd yeah. be like seven or eight o'clock in the morning, and then you would look at the you look at the clock and it would only be like ten o'clock, and then it'd be eleven o'clock, and you're like, as you when you're a kid, you're like why are the days so long? Yeah. What, oh, why yeah. is this? And what now I wake up, I drink a cup of coffee. I blink twice and it's 1230, one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, if I don't get ahead of something here, you know, the, today is going to run by me. And, and that unfortunately stinks. And I do think that's due to just how things are nowadays. Unfortunately, we live in a very fast paced, even if you're up here in the North country and it is more relaxed and it is this and it is that, it's still more fast paced than ever because technology, IT, whatever you have, whatever it may be, logistics, it's all ramping up. Everything's going up and it's just, unfortunately, it's only going to continue. I, uh, I mean, I, like I said, I'm getting to the point now, a couple of things have been going, 
that you were signaling you had to go to the bathroom. No, no, no. Just just a little earache there, sir. Little. How was your ear? Good. Don't don't get me on the ear. Okay. Okay. Still, I I am. For you people who don't know me, if you've ever if you've ever seen me and I haven't like you said something to me and I didn't turn around, it's not because I'm a genuinely mean person. I am ninety percent deaf in my left ear, and uh, it's kind of funny because my dad still hasn't like realized this. And my dad will be like out around the barn, you know, like be behind the garage or something, and he'll just start yelling my name, Brandon, Brandon. And now I can hear you, but the thing that people don't understand when you have one ear. You do not know where sound comes from. So I am doing 360 turns. I'm looking up. I'm looking down. I, I just, I start yelling to, for other people to just come out and find me because of my ear. But it's your left ear. It's my left ear. Um, so my right ear, a few a couple years ago, I damaged it. So I have my hearing in my right ear because I had hearing test done was the equivalent <laughs> of a 55-year-old. And I was 20-something at the time. Right. And uh, so my right ear... I have a hard a harder time hearing my right ear. So if you talk to me and my head's turned this way and you're talking to my right ear, there's a chance I miss it. Right. But the biggest issue isn't even one on one conversation. It's when I'm in crowds. Yes. I can't hear anything. Because it's because terrible. because background sound, I hate to say it, background mm-hmm. sound is it drown it drowns out what you're actually listening to. Yeah. And, and do you have tinnitus? Yep. Well, oh. I, well so when so my right ear when it ha- it happened, I had t- I had very severe tinnitus for right. a couple weeks. But it went away. Well, I don't know if it went away or if I still have it and I just can't, I can't, I almost feel like I still have it, but it's, it's so normal now that I don't know the difference. So that, so now we're people that don't know tinnitus is ringing in your ear. But, and if you don't, and if you're like, and now when he says ringing in your ear, if you say to yourself, Oh, I've had ringing in your ear. It's not, it's not that it happens once and it goes away. It doesn't go away. It's like. You're listening to music all the time, and you don't have hear. My, it's like my, someone's like blowing a penny whistle or one of those dog whistles, and they're just blowing it on constant, and all you hear is just this like. <laughs> mine, mine used to be so bad, and this is people are gonna think I'm weird after I say this. I used to like picture like a monster running through a town, just crushing buildings. You know when you have like those montages, and you yeah. just hear. That's what I heard in my ear nonstop when I was younger. And that's because that's when it happened. I always had like tubes and adenoids, this, that, and the other thing happened. But, and I don't know what type of hearing loss you have. Now, everyone's like, I don't even know. So there's multiple, <laughs> as we get in a hearing loss tangent, um, there's multiple different types of hearing loss, if you don't know that out there. <laughs> um, and the one that I have, if I were to get, if I were to get a um, hearing aid, all that would happen for me is sound would be louder, but it would it would sound like robotic, if that makes any sense. Like picture wow. a robot going, eh, mm, eh, that's how it would come across. I need what is called a cochlear implant. Um, cochlear implants are literally chips that they connect to your brain where when it goes to your auditory, like sound comes through your auditory ear, you have your outer, middle, and inner ear, <laughs> and that sound is then shifted through the canal to your your actual brain, where your brain then deciphers where sound is, this and the other thing. Um, I would need a cochlear implant to almost magnify that part of my brain to to get the sound back to where back to normal or better, if you will. And uh, cochlear implants run you about twenty grand, so my hearing's gonna have to get even worse before I pop one in. To be honest, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, the hearing, the crowd thing is is the worst. Um, but I've gotten to the point where, like, there's a lot going on yeah. in trying to decar, uh, 
compartmentalize. Like try, that I, is the hardest word to say. Compartmentalize. Yeah, I, can, I cannot. I say think it. I actually did. I was actually giving myself credit. I, on I cannot I say it. Um, so when I uh, like, there's a few things that I've done recently that literally limit my distractions and limit stuff throughout the day because I had so many, so many distractions that um, it gets to the point that it takes away from stuff you want to do. So like my thing is as I've got, so the, I've been doing this now for 11 years. So as I've gotten more and more into real estate and into more of like, you know, operating the company, it gets to the point where that is now taking more of my time than the actual real estate part. So like real estate sales, I still love doing, I still, yeah. um, you know, I, I think I still do at a, a high level, but for me, it's trying to fit that in also with like, an operating hat on of yes. the company and trying to make sure I can fit it in throughout the day. And what happened was between that and the fact that I, we, me and my wife had three kids in four years that had <laughs> that on that, like my days just blend in, like my days just are always constantly yes. go, go, go. So a few things I was like, man, I need to find time where I can think I can stop. I can. So a few things that I've done, cause you talk about like from a mental health standpoint, yeah. like, I, I mean, I, I, Mondays, I take Mondays off from appointments. Nice. Meaning, my Monday is like, if people come in, or my Mondays are, I, I just like we, you talked about it. If I'm in the yes. office, I'm in the office. I'm out, I'm out. So yes. my Mondays is I want to be in the office all day long. I don't want any appointments out, but I'm going to be doing stuff all day long outbound. So would you would you consider that? And I just kind of I call those my to do list days, if you will. Yeah. Like yep. I I never thought I would get enjoyment out of crossing off a to do list. Yeah. So. So I, yeah, so Monday is like pack all my stuff in, uh, load it up in the front of the week, get through as much as I can, what I call proactive work yeah. or outbound work where I make, I make the, the calls I make like not, I don't want to respond to messages. I don't want to respond to texts or, or voicemails or emails. I want to proactively call people and get my stuff done and selfishly get my stuff done. So it gets done and then I'll be reactive and react to all the work that's coming in. Right. And so that's that day. I'm this. I honestly, and I don't, didn't mean to cut you off. I'm a, I'm extremely similar now with the way that I try to run my days. Okay. So so. Okay. So I'm gonna jump into yours yeah. right after this. So my Monday is that. My Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I try to keep the early parts of my day off. Okay. So when I say like Monday, so my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, I am open to having appointments all. Th- three of those days, mm-hmm. whenever, like those mm-hmm. are my days. If you have stuff, throw them somewhere on my calendar and I'll, yep. I'll deal with it. And I compartmentalize those as those are like my out. Those are my days. I'm seeing people. Right. But I try if possible to deflect any appointments to the afternoon. So I try to keep Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially Thursday morning open where I can come in and I don't have to see anybody or yes. talk to anybody for probably three hours. Cause then I can work on stuff. And then Fridays, because my, and I took this, I hacked this from somebody else, but my Fridays, I try to keep Fridays off, yep. meaning my Saturdays and Sundays, I'm home with my family, but I work the entire weekend. Like yeah. When people are like, oh, I'll have a, enjoy the week, which is great. I enjoy the weekend because I'm off of work, but I'm still working Yes, and I'm still dealing, like I'm still, I talk to clients Saturday and Sunday most, most of the time. I still am dealing with like emails. I'm still dealing with stuff. I, I, I call it, I call it kind of, I hate to say it, but like you're still locked in if you will. Oh yeah. You're, I never, you're, yeah. You're still, you're not, you're not dropping that. Like you're saying that work hat or that, 
that relaxation, honestly. You're still kind of tied in. stuff up. comes in. And yes. Like you had said before you came on, like I got I clear everything out and then three more emails came yes. in. And it's like, crap, these are three more to-dos I got to do. So, but I try to, I try to block, box it off. So my Fridays, I try to take off and I try to take off from my anything outbound and in, in meetings. Yes. And if stuff comes in that I have to deal with and I deal with it, but it's very sporadic and I really try to keep Fridays open to do whatever I want that day, which ends up being... I end up still doing work, but it's, yes. it's, it's not as, um, now, 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 but the two things, um, the two things that I've done to kind of block myself out is one as my calendar, my phone is on do not disturb 90% of the time. Meaning nice. if you were to call me right now, it's going to go straight to voicemail nice. and it's not because I don't want to talk to, well, it isn't, it isn't like, I like talking to people, but <laughs> thank, it's for thank me you for the honesty, <laughs> but for me it's to protect my time. So yes. I'm not like if a call comes in it's not distracting me. If a text comes in, it's not distracting me. So like my phone, I don't have, I never have during podcasts. It's sitting over there, right. you know, and it's on do not disturb. So like, um, so if I go check it, I probably have a few missed calls. Right. I probably, and then I take care of them. So that's number one is cause that purely takes away the distraction of people right. calling. And I guess some people don't like it cause it always goes to voicemail. I'm like, I'm doing it for me. I, uh, and if it's that important, I will call you back. But then the other thing that I found, um, which is an absolute game changer. Do you use uh, Gmail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is the great- Well, okay. Well, I mean, my work email, um, I believe, is Office 365. My personal, I believe, is Gmail. I okay. can, But I can still, like, put my work calendar, if you know what I'm saying, on my Google calendar. Okay. So I have a Google calendar. Yeah. And I, I, I'm an Apple guy, but I have Google Same. calendar and I have um, Gmail. And okay. I, those are far superior to the other <laughs> calendars out there. Yes, yes, they are. So my Gmail- what was cool is I found this extension, which is a, uh, a like a Google Chrome, or I guess it's considered a Gmail extension, and it's called Boomerang. So I feel like look I, into okay, this. Okay, this is a game changer. So the thing with Boomerang, so anybody has a Gmail account out there, if you're like me and you get overwhelmed and there's a gazillion emails coming in all day long, I'll give you three hacks that can lighten up your load. <laughs> For, for email because we all get struggle with email oh my god so it's the worst i'm gonna actually put a bonus one in i'll go with the bonus one first and then i'll dump everything else so i do have a folder that i call my sunday folder which i got from mike foot who's a uh, friend of mine he does insurance locally okay. super nice guy but his sunday folder is basically anything that gets into your email your email that you know you're not gonna do yes put it in the sunday folder and he does it for sunday because he goes in the office on sunday and takes care of it i kind of wow. I kind of consider it my weekend folder, okay. um, but it's a folder that I will not get to. It's stuff that takes me, it takes mental, might have to look up something, might be something I need to go over, but I'm not going to get to it during the course of my day. I put it in that folder. Okay. And then maybe every every morning I might filter through and grab a couple things out to work on, but it's really set and forget. You peek it. Peek at it yeah. when I need to do. So that's my bonus one. So my three things with Boomerang though, number one is this is on the normal Gmail, but you can do it again on Boomerang is you can schedule emails. So I'm giving oh. away some secrets here. So you mean like you can you can like pre-write an email to be sent out at let's say I want to hit Jen up at two o'clock. Yeah. So I have I'll give you two examples. Number one, I deal with emails. There's plenty of times that I answer emails at night. Right. I do not send any emails at night because <laughs> what and also on the weekends is I don't want to send a lot of emails on the weekends because right. I don't want the back and forth. I do so, not. I do as of right now. I have not. I mean. I have, but I haven't on the so weekends. if you send me an email and I look at it and I might look at it tonight, mm-hmm. then I might say, okay, I'm going to answer Brandon. I will answer Brandon yes. and then I will schedule send for some time tomorrow. 
Yes. So then it goes into your inbox. When I decide, it goes into your inbox. When when you might be free on your end is what you're saying. Or I'm done my stuff or right. just when I don't want to deal with it and I'm just okay. like, you know what? I'm pushing. I'm doing what I need to do, but I'm going to notify. And I do it twofold. One, because I don't want to have it back. And then two, I also know that it's at night and the last thing you want to do is receive an email. Right. So I might as well just push it to tomorrow's business day and then you can get it during the workflow. So I do it a lot to, for other people too because I know they don't want to get an email on the weekend yes. or at night. So that's that's number one. Number two is you can boomerang emails. So if you send me an email, I did this three or four times yesterday. An email came into my inbox. Yep. I didn't want it sitting in my inbox because I'm I. If I'm my o- I don't like. Full, I, yeah, I don't like anything in my inbox either. Correct. So if I get an email and I do not want it, if I do not want to deal with that email. I will boomerang it back to come back again. So I had a bunch that came in yesterday, and I'm like, I'm not dealing with this So it's today. like a reminder. Correct. Wow. But what it does is I will boomerang it. So yesterday was uh, Columbus, indigenous people, was the, the holiday. So <laughs> I had a bunch of stuff that came in. I did not want to really deal with it because I was yes. trying to like take most of the day off. Yep. So I took it. I boomeranged it to 8 o'clock this morning. So I had about four or five emails that came in at 8 that came in yesterday, but they came, they left my inbox right. and came boomeranged back into my inbox at 8 a.m. today. When we were in the work mode. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, my other one, this is... I like that one. I'm sorry. I like that one a lot. I like a, the one you, that one you just explained. That's that a great day. one. And, that, mm-hmm. and actually, yesterday was the first time I utilized that. There's a couple things you can utilize in this. Well, because like you're saying, if that comes back in at 8, so now I, I now bang out these five emails first thing at 8 a.m. My to-do list is now shorter because that's off, and I can then focus on whatever I had already coming in today. Yeah, and, and, and I know I wasn't going to look at them yesterday anyway, so I just don't want them sitting in my inbox. No, so I'll just yes. bring them back, Yes, which is cool. The other thing you can... This is a, this is a second bonus tip because this is my third one. I'm getting I, to the best one. I, I like the this. The second bonus one is you can actually schedule... Sen- you can reoccur messages so i have messages that go out to staff members every single day at four o'clock it's oh, the same wow. thing because it's kind of a thing we a, a, pro, uh, a project but like a a, a team morale booster something well, it's, you know. a, it's a it's a thing i send it literally because we're talking now it's yeah. probably getting around four o'clock that this probably already been sent out right and i'll check it i get it everybody else gets it but it automatically sends for me at a certain time so i don't ha- i said it once i said it, i want this sent monday through friday yeah. every day at this time and it just does it i like it so it's again it's it's, it's systems now the <laughs> other one the last one which is my favorite thing and this is a game changer you can pause your inbox which sounds simple Pausing your inbox means you absolutely get nothing that comes into your inbox during that time period. And when it, when it expires, everything then comes to your inbox. So this is what I do. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's say you have, when you pause that, you're unpausing it. Let's say you open up and you got 12 waiting there for you. That might make me feel slightly overwhelmed. But so, I feel like that'd be a one-off. So this, this, is, the, this, is, this is my theory behind it is most of us are distracted. If we get an email and the email comes through, you check it. If it's junk, you then check your email and you swipe it out to delete your junk out of your email. Or or, yes, or I'm debating, does this need to be, is this top priority? Do I need to answer this right now? Do I need to look into this? How much more does this need? Or can I then put this to the side? Yes. So if you have all that, that what happens is you do that for every email that comes yes. in yes. and then it annoys you. Then you get notifications, then you check it then you check it and you're like, why did they just check my email seven times in the last 30 minutes? Right. And none of them were, I was going to not do any of it. Right, right, right. So instead I'll go typically put the kids down. I will open my computer probably like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. I will look at anything that's outstanding. Anything I didn't get to during the day, I will email and I will schedule send. And then I pause my inbox. Yes. This morning I paused my inbox to eleven AM. Oof. And it wasn't and it wasn't and it wasn't too much when you re when you unpaused at eleven and everything came so, in. So two things. One, my assistant has access to my email. 
So oh. anything you email me goes to her. Phenomenal. So she does filter through majority. I'll have to get one of those. But but <laughs> even if not, what happens is say I had 50 emails come in. Yeah. Okay. I can get that 50 emails down to my most important, like what I actually yes. have to do in about less than five minutes. Exactly. Three minutes. So when you talk about like, is this a top priority? Well, guess what? You just got 50 emails. That makes it way easier to pick a top priority. So you go through and go junk, 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 not going to do it, not interested, filing it away, boomerang it back, boom, boom, boom. And then I just limit what I have to do. So here's 50. But think and about it. It's really 15. Maybe. Even less than that. Maybe. Five, yes. six. So then I take it all down and I jam it down to what actually needs to be answered. Yes. But what I did was from eight, nine o'clock the night before to 11 o'clock. So I'm talking about four, 13 hours, no, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours of my day. Yes. I just shrunk down into a 10 minute yes. cycle through and I was like, boom, 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 done. So what I do over the weekend now, and I've just started doing this. You're proactively doing it beforehand. Well, what I'll, so my, over the weekend I had, I paused my inbox till like 10 in the morning. Right. Whatever. 10 o'clock comes. <laughs> I rattle off. I see the email. Clear up some stuff. I have three emails. So I'll go through the three. I'll, I'll make the notes. I'll, talk, I'll respond to them or whatever. If I don't think it's responding, I'll just schedule send for the next day. And then what I'll do is so my inbox is cleared again. I will then repause my inbox for like four hours. Oh, my goodness. So nothing bothers me throughout right. the day. And then all of a sudden, like 4.30, I'll pop back up. I'll check it again. Boom, boom, boom. Rinse and repeat. It's a little less now. Not yes. as much. Then I'll pause it again. I'll check it again around eight. So I'll pause it probably four hour chunks. Look at it again quickly. And I'm talking like I can shrink yes. everything down very fast. Yes. And then I pause it for the night and all the morning. So what happens wow. is it allows where I, I really only check my email now. Uh, Workday is a little different because Nick's on it, but I, I, I'm also pausing it for her sake. So then she doesn't get bombarded with stuff. So then she can come in in the morning, work on projects or work right. on whatever we need. And then at 11 o'clock, unpauses, then we take care of the stuff. Right. Most of the stuff's not, not pressing. No, no. Like, it's not going to matter if I look at it at 8 or 11. And if it is, and it's very rare instance, I usually know what's coming. Well, like, I mean, I don't even know where to start with all that because there is so many little things. The, I mean, the biggest thing that I take away from it, like you're saying, people, people think, or some, some of us know, and I, I'm not trying to be rude and I say this, some of us don't know, like, as you're saying, emails can take up a large portion Huge of your distraction. Yeah. Looking at them, answering them, deciding if you need to answering them, junking them, like you're saying, going through the whole nine mm -hmm. from, from top to bottom. The one thing that I would say too about that, that I like, how often do you get other emails or other calls or this and the other thing, um, while you're, while you're at a, while you're at a showing? Because there's a lot of times where I'm at a, where I'm at an account where I'm physically out of the office, and if I had that pause, I would put it on pause because I don't want my phone ringing. Mm -hmm. I don't want even want the thought in the back of my mind that something else is going on. Maybe there is something else pressing, because sometimes that will take my attention or my you know my best stuff away from the person I am sitting in front of. Mm -hmm. So I, I honestly the first thing I thought about when when you said it is. If I'm gone somewhere, I'm probably pausing it, then sending that boomerang back to myself. Mm -hmm. So when I get back into the office, I can just take it as it comes instead of going to my account, maybe feeling a little anxious mm -hmm. or a little overstressed because, oh, I do have... I got three things to do. Yeah, I got... Well, I have 54... I have 55 emails and, well, now I don't. You know, now I only have five. Yes. And if you pause it, you have none. That's... Well, yeah, that, have, that I, I mean, like. It literally just... It says, that I like. And then you click on it, it goes, your email is paused till this time at this date, this date and time. That I like. I like. Yeah. And, it, and it, one, it frees you up. So, like, when I go on appointments and that's the thing is, like, I try... When I'm doing stuff like today, I've been I haven't had much time in the office to work. Um, 
maybe 45 minutes today. Wow. So I've been in appointments, I've been doing stuff, I've been right. having meetings in here. Like, so um, one of the benefits is if I'm with people, I don't answer the phone when I'm with people. Right. So like my phone is always, I never have my ringer on. I don't right. even know if I've ever had a ringer on the phone. I'm the, I hate to say I'm the same exact way. Like, it it will, never rings. It will vibrate It'll in my pocket. Vibrate. But I don't, because one, I don't want the sound because it's just, like to me, it's, the sound's annoying to people. Yes. It's annoying to me and it's annoying to people. Like people that have the ringer going. That is the worst part about owning an Apple. Sorry, but the Apple, and they make memes about it, but the Apple ringer, the Apple, it's too aggressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they need to make it a bell or something, something so, a little bit smoother. Well, I always pop, take that off, but I also, I always put it on. Do vibrate. Not, oh, I you, put it on. Do not, do not disturb. So I still get stuff. I don't put on airplane mode, so I can still get notifications. I still get texts. I still mm. the calls come through as missed, mm. but I'm not getting notified if a text or a call is coming All in. It's the not time. like shaking. So because one of it's like the anxiety, like who's calling me. Yes. So I just I literally will just put it down. And I mean the other benefit for me is I like I said I have Nick here. So if I'm in an appointment and I'm not picking my phone up, she can still run. So it's kind of like like it's just leveraging myself. Right. So it's like if I'm in an appointment, I have somebody that's running stuff mm-hmm. in the office. So then I'm not – if like people need questions or answers or if I get something that's pressing, I just screenshot it to her and she takes care of it yeah. because it's like I I won't be able to touch this for two more hours. And right. It's probably something that needs to be done now or right. something that we, we at least need to get done fairly soon. I don't want to put it off till this afternoon. Uh, I guess – and what you're saying is too is it, it's kind of surprising how thin you can feel – you can you know how thin you could be uh, stretched right, if you yeah. will. Oh yeah. Um, because and, and now when you kind of went through your week, and, and I'm not trying to say that we're, we're exactly the same, but I do like to come in on Mondays and I like to you know make that my organization, if you will. My this is what I'm going to do all weekday, mm-hmm. and I'm very similar on my Tuesday, Wednesdays, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, trying to have as much account or you know client interaction as as possible and i like to leave my afternoons more open for that i and i don't know i mean like i said i grew up on a dairy farm we were always early risers Mm -hmm. and i for some reason it stuck with me i I wake up early i get my majority of my work done in the morning between seven eight you know to eleven o'clock i'm a big component i don't like to make calls i don't know how you are i don't bother people around noon if I know or the, the fact that someone may be hungry or has the thought of lunch on their mind, I'm not reaching out to you. So after that one o'clock time from that one to four, one to five is when I'm really trying to be in front of you, go over something, you know, have your time. And then in the morning, I don't want to say it's my time, but more or less, like you're saying, if I if I had that boomerang, those features, that's when I would kind of decipher what does and what doesn't need to be hit today. I would then set that for my next day, send the send the replies I need, and then I would only worry about my afternoon appointments or accounts, and then I would come in the next day saying, okay, and that's how I would kind of run run the routine. I those I did not know about any of that, so I I it's will called be boomerang. It's the it, greatest thing ever. And I found out about I it. I will be stealing it, and uh, it's I think you can it, it's uh it's an add on to uh, Gmail, so I think you get like a thirty day trial, and I forgot yeah. what it is per month, but yeah. like. Even if it's 15 bucks, I'm like, dude, it's the best 15 bucks. It just keeps your mind like, because otherwise you get distracted by it and there's no way you can ever shut it off. And unless you, like, I didn't check. I woke up this morning. I didn't check a notification on my phone until my first one was 830. I got a haircut at 830. You said 930 was the first. 930 was my first in-person appointment. Yeah, in-person. I didn't check my my notifications until I think 915. Nice. Because I got done. I... I had about 
25 minutes to, to spare. So I went, got a car wash, checked my notifications <laughs> in the car wash. And then when I got to that, the, the property, I was doing some uh, notifications and it was just to catch up on everything from the night before. But I was like, you know what? Nope, I don't want to check anything. Right. Like I, everything's piling up. I'm like, I just want to, because right. I can go through my notifications in about five minutes. Right. So, but it's like, if you're checking your notifications every time you have a Facebook notification and you end up finding it's just some generic thing. It's like, like, and that's what I'm trying to get better at is like, check, just check them like every few hours and you'll be fine. Now, so now I hate to go off on a conspiracy tangent here, but when you say, you know how you say like Facebook will just throw you a notification. Mm-hmm. YouTube will just throw you a notification. Um, Instagram, I, I've seen like this and such and such person. You should. It's just sometimes throwing me a notification. Uh, and my sisters explain this, and obviously, you know, kids younger than me or people our age know this. The algorithms that they're now putting in phones. If you, if I'll say it like this, Instagram isn't putting a pause Instagram on it because they don't want you to not look at it. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's nice that there's someone actually out there or there's a company out there thinking about, hey, maybe somebody, because every morning, and I hate to say it, when you roll over in the morning, I, I don't have kids or a wife right now, Galen, so I'm not rolling over to, to, to that beautiful site yet or anything like that. But when I roll over and I see like a stupid Facebook thing that I think is legitimate and I open it up and it's nothing, even if it is only a couple minutes or a couple seconds of my time, it's still something I really don't want to do. And, and that does stem from though, However many emails I have open, that does stem from when you're in the office going, why, why have I done this? And because like you're saying, we only have so much time in the day to hit the pertinent things that actually need to be done within that set of time. And I hate to say each day, and I don't want to say that each day is a race, but each day you have till, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock to get said work done. Mm -hmm. And then it's, Hey, now we need to start up again at at the beginning of the next day. So the biggest thing that I found when I was when I was at Insight Global and I was at Omni when I was working in DC, like you're saying, it really is how can you manage your time? And then that sounds so silly, but as you know, and as you know, people know that are in these types of you know jobs, if you will, uh, it doesn't feel like there is enough time. It really doesn't. Some days I saw I saw this thing the other day that said, "Is there is there not enough time, or?" Are you trying to do too much in the time that you have? And and I read the book too. There's another one that says, uh, that's a great question, is slow down to speed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing that I've noticed. I, I give more quality time or I give more of my time to a client or to a situation or a solution. doesn't matter if it's small or big. Mm-hmm. Um where I know there's a legitimate opportunity, if you know what I'm saying. There's a legitimate, we're working towards something. This isn't just kind of BS. And and I hate to say it. I mean, and I don't, real estate's a little bit different um, than where I'm in. But I will say there's been times where I give somebody a week or two weeks of my time. Hey, this is your account. This is what you're at. This is how I would like to, you know, upgrade you. This is a new solution I would like. This is how I'd like to save you money. And you talk to this person for two or three weeks. And at the end of that, you know, they come up with, oh, no, thank you. You know, stuff like that, when stuff like that happens and it takes the wind out of your sails or takes that much time away from you, mm-hmm. where you are, you were like, oh, well, I could have been over here doing this, this, and this. Um, it, I guess for me, it's really taken, I've learned the hard way. We're trying to put all my eggs, let's say, in a really big basket. Sometimes I think we see, 
for me in IT at least, um, we see the big one, if you will. Oh, look at that. That's 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 where our pertinence or that's where all of our um, resources should be. When really, um, there might be like a one-off machine or a one-off account where someone that's actually giving me the time of day that something's actually going to come to fruition that I should have spent my majority of time at. And I guess for me right now, besides organizing your days, like you're saying, with the emails or with your to-do list or how you just get through the day from top to bottom is um, I always used to think that my time, because I'm an employee of someone else um, and you're a client, and once again, don't don't take this wrong, people, um, my time is just granted to you. It's not, that's not, that is not the case, I guess, at all. My, my biggest thing is for me and I guess other salespeople out there that might be starting is um, I used to, I was very, very, and I'm not saying I come off aggressive. I don't, but I used to be very, um, if that's okay, or I would just say thank you, just to say thank you, if you know what I'm saying, not really like uh, allowing my uh, worth to kind of sometimes come through. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've realized. It's like if I'm coming to you with a solution, let's say, or something that can save you money or I'm bringing, I'm adding value to your, what you have going on. If you don't want to see that or if that's not important to you, I, I can't waste any more time there because someone else is going to give me the time of day or someone else is going to um, buy into what I have going on for me. I, so I guess that's another thing. Um, well, it's, it's the idea that, you know, this kind of like a sales one-on-one ta- tactic. It's like sell to people that want that want what you want. Like yes. I think, um, and, and when you're starting out in sales, it's tough because you don't have you don't have the leverage, you don't have yeah. the book of business. So your idea is you do have to unfortunately have the clients that drag you around and yes. have the clients that waste your time, and that's yes. just part of the growth yep. pattern. Because if you could identify it early on, yes. well, I should say you can identify it early on, but. Financially and feasibly, can you give up on that person? The answer typically is no. It's no. like I, I kind of can't I, afford. I need you. I need you. Yeah. And no matter how long you kind of want to drag your feet through the mud, mm-hmm. I will be here. Um, but once you once you get to the point, though, that you can leverage out of that, yes. like this is and this is the thing I think salespeople um, don't, after you have been in sales for a while, sales is a two-way street. Like mm-hmm. like you just said, like I, you're owed my time. It's like, as a salesperson, you can technically fire your client. Like, I mean, it sounds crazy. People don't, well, why would I want it? I'm like, well, if they add stress to your day, if they add, they waste your time. Like, a perfect example, I and I'm going to speak from Galen in 2021, not Galen from 2000, whatever, past yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is if a client is looking at homes, doesn't really know where they want to buy, are open to all parts of the county right. and are looking at homes that are around a hundred thousand um, dollars. I would deem that that's probably a client. That's not the best use of my time. Right. Not because I don't want to help them past years. I would have been all over it because right. I, I could now again, when I start taking about my time, well, if my time is, you know, I would say more valuable, all that I can look at the writing on the wall and know how long that client's going to take. And then right. I know the payoff where I'm like, you know, what, if I just, take that time and focus on creating a system in the company, creating more marketing, yeah. creating, doing more trainings with agents. I can leverage that time into what I would deem bigger, a bigger payoff in the end. Now that might be a better short term gain, but I know it's going to pull me away. We talked about getting time back. Yeah. I've been more and more focused and trying to leverage myself so I, I can get time back. And so I can have time to work on other things that in turn will then grow us. And that's, that's been like the big, like, learning curve right now i like it but it's a very big learning curve because you're because like you're saying i guess you're getting more into that leadership and more operations type of role where 
and I'm not saying by no means uh, where I am I at do I do anywhere near probably the amount of operations you're doing, but I am starting to see it and I'm understanding it. And like you're saying is, and I don't think a lot of people understand, you can fire your client. And that's a great way to say it. There's definitely been clients that I have come to. I have given them the writing on the wall, if you will. You know, this is where it's at. This is how much time you have left. If you don't do anything about it, this is what you're going to spend. And this is what you're going to use, lose, a lot of yada, yada, yada. If, you know, at certain set point, if that's not interested to them, if that's not what they want to do, I'm not bothering you anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to allow you, I hate to say it, um, you, you make your own bed, if you will, and you lay in it. I gave you everything I could on my end. I am now, like you're saying, going to take my time somewhere else. If you want to then come back to me and rework it and, and get back into it and see if there's something we do, that's awesome. Um, but like you're saying, it, it is, it is, it's not even working smarter. It's knowing. It's I, on, on, in the long, like you're saying, in, in the long run, it really does come from knowing, um, experience, and, and being around it, and, and just saying, okay, this is going to be this long, or this is going to be this long. This is a legitimate opportunity that I can close in two weeks. This opportunity is not closing for six months. Well, I, I'm not going to give the same, you know, precedence to, well, it's like to you these. Said, you got to slow down and speed up. It's like sometimes you do have to pull back, take one step back, take yeah. two forward, and I think. Again, you got to value your time is your most valuable asset. It's the only yeah. thing you can't make more of. So it's like when you look at it, typically most things in life is time and money. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like, it's like anything. Like I have time to mow my lawn, but if I can pay someone to mow my lawn, it's not going to affect me financially, then I get that time back. And yeah. that's a lot of, you know, why people pay for certain things that they mm-hmm. do, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of, um, you know, I try to look at that each day. It's like a time and money factor, but it's like as when you start off, money is a bigger issue because you're like, man, I got to make money. I got to make money because yeah. I need to make, and that, that's very legitimate, but you have more time. Right. Then eventually that, 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 that shifts in the sense that now you have a little bit more money, but you don't have the time. So then it's right. like, how do you use that money to get your time back? It's like a very <laughs> weird cycle, but by doing, building up the money, then spending more time getting your time back. You then can take that time to make, if you want more money or have yes. more impact or do whatever you want on the other end. So it's like the cyclical effect that you got to keep running. So I find like right now I'm in the stage where I'm in the, let me try to get my time back and let me try to leverage myself so I get that time back. So then I can take that time and work on bigger um, next level ideas yes. and projects and stuff that can level us up versus, you know, and I would say every, every day or every year you're working on improving yourself or yeah. whatever it might be a company. But each year I, I kind of use the analogy of like a, take a screw. Yeah. If you ever, I mean, obviously like anybody's taking a screw. If you really start and you like zoom in and go at the very bottom of the screw, the screw turns around itself. Mm-hmm. But if you notice every time it turns around, it slowly goes up the screw. So like a screw, if you were to, you know, pretend it was a massive, you know, you know, screw and you were on like a little bike and you were riding up this, you would eventually bike your way to the top of the screw. So I look at every, every day, every week, every month, year, whatever you want to say, every time you make an action and you come around, say in a year, you've grown. So you go one full rotation around this, this screw every year. But by the time you do that, you're one rung higher, you're one rung higher, you're one rung higher. So 10 years ago and you made 10 rotations around the screw, but now you are 10, whatever those are called, yes. little pieces yes. up on the screw. So then you can tell that you're you're getting higher up or you're yes. moving or improving. So I find that life and business, it's like every time you make a trip around the sun kind of thing or around, yeah, like yeah, every yeah. year, that when you do that, 
your next run around should be still going around the sun, but it should be one level higher, one, yes. one rung higher, one stair higher, whatever that might be, because you're improving yourself. And that doesn't, that doesn't make like every day, you're not going to be better than you were improvement wise, but like you're limiting those peaks and valleys. And it's kind of like the stock market as you're going up and down. If you're, if you're really doing up and down, up and down, up and down, but if you find the general trend, those like statistics, up. as long as it's going up, then you're improving. You're going to have down days, but yes. you don't want to have a down life. You know? Yes. So, and, and, and obviously, and this isn't just uh, financially, this isn't just strictly financially based either. I think, I think that's another point that needs to be made as well, that I, when you say we're growing and uh, time and money switches, mm-hmm. that's us as human beings maturing as well. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's uh yes, it's we all unfortunately, unless you've hit the lottery or your last name is Hilton, you know, are gonna most likely have to relatively work or you know how to work the stock market better than us. Um, you're gonna have to kinda, you know, be in it and, and have a nine to five and work and and get after like you're saying. But as you go up on these rungs, if you will it isn't strictly fine. Yes, we always want to be going up financially. Don't get me wrong. You never want to get um, in a plateau or get comfortable with what you're making. But the same exact time, if you're getting a promotion or you got a new job or you're mentally doing better or you're physically working out a little bit more, I think that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. As long as you, and you know, who are we, I guess, you know, to say, hey, you always need to be growing by the same exact time. And that is the goal, you know, at the same exact time. Well, at the end of the day, us as people, want to become better and more compassionate or whatever it may be better people than than we are so i mean that's i like the analogy because well it's a better version of yourself like every every day you want a better version of yourself and that whatever that metric is it's up to you like your metric like you said when you left the job in dc was okay mentally i'm getting burnt out i'm getting stressed out i have anxiety like my making me a better person is stepping away from a job, which yeah. might be a dip down financially or a dip down from a, of, yeah. of a, a status of wherever you might yeah. be. But then you're like at that point in time, you know, mental sanity, mental health was more important for me. So then you yep. took it. And I would say as a person, you grew because you grew into what you needed at that time. And, and I mean, and it doesn't even just have to be like about mental health, but like even, I guess for me, um, taking the fact or even saying the words, you know, mental health, mm-hmm. that in, that in itself was me, uh, I think, like you're saying, self-sufficient or growing as a person because I probably, you know, had I not taken that, I would have just kept doing what I was doing, forcing that square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows, like you're saying, you want to talk about burnout, who knows what it could have, what would have maybe happened or what could have transpired at that job if you keep burning, you know, that wick at both ends. Um, because you get in those situations and it wasn't something that was easy. It was, you know, those situations and those decisions are never easy to walk away from, but it takes, it normally takes, and I, I mean, it's... This is more opinion, I guess my opinion, personal opinion. It takes 30, 60, 90 days. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. It could take the, years for some people. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I think that whole um, self-satisfaction or what is it, instant gratification thing. Mm-hmm. I, I used to be, I think personally, I was a big instant gratification person. I think I wanted to do, I wanted to do one push-up and I wanted to see a new chest muscle. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to run one mile and mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to, or something like that. And And honestly... Unfortunately, that's just not how it is. Yeah, and for me, I think the biggest thing that I've realized, um, it is a long journey. It's a long journey to get to where you want to be, and then you slowly kind of poke at it and pick at it every single day. And that's why, like you're saying, I couldn't be happier being back up here. Um, 
being back around my family, being back up in the North Country, we really do have it. Um, we really, it is a special place. Um, I mean, you can you can hate winter as much. I hate winter. Don't get me wrong, hate it. Um, but your day to day living, what we deal with, the area. I mean, if you're lucky enough to be around Lake Champlain specifically, um, around here, it, it's we are doing better than most and and it's something to to not take for granted but at the same exact time i i am you know i, I hate to sound hypocritical or, or be flippy floppy uh there are other things out there that you want to see and you want to accomplish and you want to touch and you want to say hey i did this and i did that um but it all comes at a cost and you you as a person have to make that personal decision i don't truly know right here um, at the age of 27, if I can live in a major metropolitan, like within a major metropolitan city every day. Every, you talked about, this was a while back, you talked about commutes. Mm-hmm. And I can't say I'm like, don't take, I don't know how many times I've said this wrong, you know, don't take this wrong. Um, I have, you know, I definitely have a, a, a little bit of feistiness in me. I have, I have a little bit of, you know, roaringness, if you will. Uh, com- I've never had road rage. I've never felt road rage. I've never really cared enough to, that I'm in my car and you're in your car to make it a point to say I don't like you. DC in two years, and I'm pretty sure that DC actually has the worst. One of the worst. Yes. I think per capita. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think obviously Los Angeles or New York probably have more. I've I've seen 16 year old children, and I've seen 90 year old uh, grandparents getting after it on the highway like like road rage is a real thing um people hitting other cars with their cars and i'm i'm not making this up is a real thing so in the back of my mind and i know that's just one thing how do people deal with that every single day day in and day out and then you talked about commute going to work was was a breeze i get to work in 15 minutes i literally would drive by the pentagon this is a, this is how I know that I grew up in a small area. I, it took me two and a half weeks driving by the Pentagon for me to realize I was driving by the Pentagon. I was like, "Hey, that's the Pentagon. You've never seen that before. You know that you've been driving by it for two weeks as you go to your job. That's in Roslyn. You know, as you're in this skyscraper that you're sitting in. Um, it, it, that's great. That was all. You know, I couldn't believe it. And then I would turn around and come home." It take me 45, 50 minutes, like you're saying. So almost doubling, tripling. Yeah. The, and there was not a smiling face. There was not a smiling face in one. Maybe me every now and then if I was blaring music. But I'm telling you, that's just one thing. That's yeah. just one thing. And I'm not. Cities are great because, yes, don't get me wrong. You can do 10 times more things. They have rooftop bars. They have pools and places that you never thought. You can go throw axes or... Just concerts, yeah, shows, concert and shows, games, yes, and- events, you name it, you can do it. Where, yes, yeah, in Plattsburgh, you might be going out to get dinner, you might be getting a food, or you're going to go on a hike. You're gonna, you're gonna make your own entertainment. There's give and take to all of that. Mm-hmm. There really is. And yes, is there more money to be made in the city? Yep, you can go out there and you want to make six, fig- try to go make six figures. Um, doesn't mean you can't do that here. Um, it really is your personal preference. Uh, I, I am still. I'm so wishy-washy, to be honest with you. There's, like I said, there's a part of me that wants to turn around and, and go tackle that again and wants to say, hey, I did it. And then there's there's another very large part of me that says I would never even look at another city unless I'm going there for a two- or three-day good time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's just that's where I am personally with with that. Yeah, it's tough. I uh, I've had no desire ever to live in a city. I I never. I I think the only time I would have possibly lived in a city was if I didn't go away to college. I went to Plattsburgh. But if I maybe came out of Plattsburgh yeah. and didn't really know what I wanted to do, I probably would have entertained doing something or traveling. I I. Back then, I had my real estate license. I was kind of like, I was slowly like establishing or getting into stuff, even though Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't know I wanted to be in real estate. I was still like, well, have this. I don't really know what I want to do, so I don't want to jump and do something if I don't really kind of have a plan. Right. It's kind of like I just didn't plan it out. So I'm like, well, if I have nothing, it's kind of my mind. I'm like, it's kind of foolish to move to New York or DC or boston or any of these cities and not really have, have any plan. game plan well, except i just want to move there so it's like well why and then it, like my head like well why would you want to move to one of those places and, or why and that goes to show that <laughs> that goes to show that when you graduated college and i graduated college similar age my I hate to say it being where we are now we probably had our heads under different our heads were on different shoulders if you were because i remember thinking <laughs> the probably the complete opposite but I was saying, I don't have anything really going for me right now. I only got, you know, I have a little bit saved up. What what can I lose? If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, let's get this together a little bit. Let's put this much money in our bank account. And then let's move. When I almost did it where it was like, I like looked myself in the mirror one morning and I was like, if you don't go today, you're not going to do it. And everyone's going to keep telling you. So I just packed all my stuff and went. Now, could I have organized that a little bit better? Yes. I still think, you know, I was there for two years and had I been, unfortunately, and I'll I'll say this openly, a little bit more ready for it, uh, a little bit more, I don't know, of a man, if you will, whatever that means. Um, More mature, I guess. If I was a little bit more mature. I still think I would be there, a hundred percent, and things would have worked out, and I would, I'd have the the girl and the dog in the house and the whole nine, and in a lot of ways, I wish I did. Don't get me wrong, um, but at the same exact time, you know, you have to make whatever decisions are best for you at said time. Yeah, and uh, and it, I would. It, it was something that I look back on. And it's like. I hate to say it, even if I were to just keep it on my resume, even just from those two resume things, just to have that on my resume. And I know that sounds like a stupid thing, but if I want to go and get another job in recruiting because of the experience I was lucky enough to go and get for a year or two, mm-hmm. I, I can go and do it. And that's not like, oh, he sounds, it's just, that's, a, you know, other recruiting firms have already reached out. You know, people have reached out and stuff like that. If that's something I ever wanted to get back into, I could. And once again, I don't know if I have said opportunity if I stay here. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think, uh, you know, everybody's got a factor in. It's always, like I said, pros and cons. It's yeah. kind of what do you value more? And, and I do this a lot in work. Like somebody's selling a house. It's like, okay, like, what do you want? How much money? Do you want yes. a certain amount of, like, dates? Like, I, we can tailor whatever the strategy is around what you want. And then a lot, I think a lot of people, you know, I think when – some people, at least in my line of business, I think want to be told what to do. Yeah, and I'm like I, I can tell you to what like what I think is best, but like it, if it's not going to satisfy what you want, and here's the best route to go if you want this. Here's the best route if you want to go this. Right. But like, what do you want? And they're like, well, I don't want to do this. I'm like, okay, well then we took one of three options off the table. Here's your last two. Right. Well, you don't want one of those. Well, I don't want this. Okay, so here's our path. Well, I don't really. I'm like, okay, well, do you, which one's the least that you like? You know, you gotta you keep kind of like funneling it down. 
to the point where you almost let them answer their own question because right. at the end of the day, as with anything, like I, it's kind of take like soccer. We go back to soccer. It's like yeah. if Rob told every single person, like, I don't think he would have tried to make you play a certain position or a game if you just like weren't into it. If you were like, hey, I really want to excel at a forward, unless he thought he could change you, I doubt he's going to say go play goalie. No. Because it's kind of, because the thing is too, when you look at, or the team, like if he would have asked the team and yes. said, hey, um, I really want to win a state championship. <laughs> Do you guys want to win a state championship? And they're like, yeah, I mean, we want to, but like, we don't really feel like going to practice. <laughs> then he's got to look at that as like, okay, well, they don't even want to do it. So, I, you know, I got to either change them or make them grow into wanting to do it. Or, like, if their goal is to win it, in my, like, all of our goal was to win something. We all had a common, like, goal. final, like, final, like, this is what we want to do by the end of the year is win this, win this title. If you're to do that and we're all going with the same, you know, final, you know, goal in mind, then it makes it very easy because that's what we all want. So but it's just trying to figure out how we can get us all to get there and to get it. And and, and it's funny too, the two things that you just said that I would take away from is like the way that you present to each client or the way that you probably, you know, show a home to each client mm -hmm. is different mm -hmm. or is custom, if you will, to said client because of their, their wants or maybe their needs or mm -hmm. what they said. Um, and, and like I said, I may, I, maybe that's not true, but like going back to the Rob thing, Rob coach people differently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have to coach you this way. I have to coach you this way. I have to coach you this way to get the best out of you, to make, you know, to make you hit your full potential. If he were to be like, do you want to do this? And I got to decide what I wanted to do. I probably would have been lazier or this well, or that. Well, the difference is too, if I go back, he coached you harder and more cut the bullshit right to yeah. the point. Yes. Because one, you needed it, and two, you could handle it. Yeah, and I and 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 I knew, I knew that I wanted that because I knew that that was gonna res that was gonna give me best results. Mm -hmm. If I'm talking to someone on a, on a house like you're saying, and they say, "I know I want a uh, 2,200 square foot for this amount of money in Peru for this, this, and this," you're gonna go, "Okay, boom, here, done." Like you're saying, if they give you that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their criteria? Well, gonna, not not even the criteria. If they they set the uh, expectation. Yeah. Well, it sounds like obviously the 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 more to the point or more descriptive the expectation and or criteria is, mm -hmm. makes your job easier. Absolutely. Yeah. If they come to you with um, a broad or uh, ominous, and I say that correctly, is am I using the right That's word? Good. I don't know. Okay, I think you said I, it confidently enough. I, I, ominous, I agree uh, with you. Well, I'll, I'll, not, I'll Google it after. Um, it makes it it makes it harder for you. It makes it harder for you to give them what to, what you want. It makes it harder for you to 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 figure it out or to to get to that precise precise thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like if clients say like, "I want to buy a house. I want to buy a cabin." I'm like, "Okay, where are you looking?" Well, I mean, Clinton County could be Essex. Yeah. You know, we do like Saranac. I'm like, "Okay, so you just you're going you're many hours like yes. all over the place." I said, and, and those are the tough clients because you really want to try to factor down. If someone's like, "Hey, I want the Shazy School District," yes. easy. Done. And then it's like, you know, there's only a handful of homes that will come up, but we know, okay, you're kind of in this price bracket. You don't want this style of home. We're like, well, already might say, I don't want this style of home. I'm like, okay, but if this is the only option, would you take it? Like, yeah, I probably would. Okay. So we got to take that off the table. Yes. So we got to go like, what's your really make or break yep. points? Um, but yeah, same way. I talked to, I talked to clients differently because you, everybody, the hardest part about real estate, the best part and the hardest part is people. So what, but when you deal with people, 
you deal with emotions. So when you're mm. setting expectations and managing emotions and managing ex- their expectations, different people can handle, like it's almost like you can't handle the truth. Some of them can't <laughs> handle the truth the well as they, as you would like to give it to them because they take stuff personally or maybe get offensive or, or it might not be, they, don't, they just, their initial reaction is a very quick off the cuff reaction. Mm. Where I'm like, well, like pump the brakes, take a deep breath. Like here's, we're going through all of our options. So, and there's some people that you need to, you know, you literally need to go over every detail, every fine detail, single because, thing, because they're so. Some like, people are like that, though. Some people are so number and or, or detail based, if you will, that you have you have to do that for them. Yeah, you get those thorough clients. Then you yes. get some clients that are like just give me the punchline. I'm like, okay, yeah. here it is. I'm like, okay, grow, great, go with it. And like, here's like, three hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah, but some, like, and I get some that are like the best ones are. I don't know what I'm doing. Tell me what to do, and I'm just going to follow it. Like, okay, you, you, sir, or madam, are going to have a very good experience because I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Where you get the ones that will tell you, start telling you how to do your job. Yes. I'm like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but you're hiring me to do this. So yes. I, like, don't hire me and then tell me how to do my job because it's not going to work out for either of us. Because it's just <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself at the end of the day. And and uh, like and kind of just going back to what we were saying, uh, dealing with each one individually or or talking to each client individually or coming at it like. There's a lot of clients that I, I, my, my sales tactic, if you will, is brutally honest. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. I give you, this is what you're at. You are spending this. This is what it's going to be. Can I get an exception? Can we work through something? What's a number you need to see? And I hate to say that I just get down to the nuts and bolts of it, Mm -hmm. but really, and it's a little bit different for me than you. Um, You have larger numbers sometimes and I know other factors come in to, to what you're selling. For me, it's, I hate this, and it's, yes, can we, can we solve the solution? Can we upgrade you? Can we get you to maybe uh, integrate or get something new in there? But really, it's, can you afford this? Mm-hmm. Is this, is this the price that you're seeing? Um, and if not, if this is what you don't think, then this, I can only give, I can only give people so many different solutions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Or I only have X amount of options where I'm like, this is it. This is all I have. This is the best I can do for you. And then this, you know, some people take it as, oh, thank you for being honest. Thank you for giving me up front. We're going to go with it. We're going to move forward because you've told me other thing. You've told me everything. And then I have the other customers that I tell them everything and they're coming back and telling me, no, you're wrong. Uh, no, this is this. Or no, we were told. And, I, and, and then and unfortunately, I'm not saying it turns into an argument, but it's like you almost try to defend yourself you're almost getting to a point where you're defending yourself saying hey i'm not i'm not leading you astray because unfortunately a lot of people when they do talk to salespeople, specifically i'm a sales representative you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i'm a senior sales executive i'm still a rep i'm someone that directly in sales there's not you know we don't have to sugarcoat it there's not always a big thing of trust there you know there's not i'm not calling up people and they're going oh great I'm talking to my rep today. That's a relationship I build. And then once we get to know each other and they understand who I am and where my and my my goals and what I want to do for them and their company is, yes, and they open up and that's an easy conversation. But unfortunately, it's that, I'm not saying a gatekeeper, but it is sometimes that first conversation uh, or that opening conversation when you put it out there and people hear things that they don't want to hear. Um, and it's unfortunate, but what what are we supposed to, you can't sugarcoat stuff like that you can't tell someone a lie to appease them because then you're really just backing so, yourself in a corner so one thing i've always done um 
well, two. So actually, a couple things I've always done since I've been in real estate is number one, um, I never, I never sugarcoat anything. There's some people, depending on the situation, can I be very direct with them, or do I, I mean? Sometimes I might have to get to the 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 point of it around, well, kind of work my way around. around but I'm not it, sugarcoating yes. it. Like you're gonna hit the final number, final <laughs> final thought. But the reason I don't ever, I always tell people the truth, and I always tell people at least to the best of my ability or what I think is, is going to be the truth or the best, best reason possible to make it the best, most beneficial for them. The, the, one of the best things my dad ever, ever told me was if you're going to do something, make sure that you can go to bed at night and live with yourself. Kind of yeah. like make sure you can go to sleep with no, with no guilty conscience. So like mine, if I was to do something or say something and someone didn't want to use me or didn't want to do something, then I'm okay with that because I sleep good at night. And, and, there's times like, you know, you'll, you'll know, I mean, yes, you're in business, like not everybody's going to like you, not everybody's going to be your friend. And mm-hmm. then I look at it as, did I do anything to warrant their yes. reaction yeah. or can I empathize and see where the reaction came and from? And try to fix or try to help with that empathy. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm, you know what? I made a mistake. Sorry. Yes. But yeah. the, sometimes the mistake aspect though is like, it's almost like saying something. If I said something to you. And it offended you or hurt your feelings, but I meant it, and I thought it was the best case. I won't, I won't, I won't say I'm sorry I said that. I'll be like, hey, you might take it the wrong way. I'm, you know, I'm sorry I made you upset, but I think you had to hear. It. I look at it as if I, if I say something and I feel like I have to retract on what I say. Mm-hmm. Well, that then I just talk from what I actually. You're talking, yeah, you're, you're talking in a circle. And I mean, I'm not trying to, not trying to sound cold here, but sometimes tough love is the best love. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and. And giving it to someone straight like that, it obviously can be the best. I mean, one way or another, I think the thing that just resonated the most with me that you just said, and and I'm not kissing his butt because he's your dad. And he won on, I we're going to revert back to soccer real quick. What he did on all those broadcasts and how he was, you could tell that he was there because he wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. is just, he's a genuine person. And I hate to say, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of genuine people out there for him to do that. It was extremely, extremely, it was more than what he needed to do. But to hear you say that he told you, uh, work where you can go to sleep, put your head down at night, you know, you don't feel guilty. I'm not saying that I've ever heard that, but I'm definitely, I take that. That's how I really do go about my business Mm -hmm. because, and and you know this because you're local, I'm local. We know a lot of the people or we know in a roundabout way, someone who knows them, or we know someone who knows, who knows, who knows that person, you know, once one way or another, the last thing I want to do is backstab or put someone in a bad situation. You only have one reputation. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. And and especially around here. So if you're going to try to do something like that, no offense, or you're even, if you're even thinking about it, I guess the biggest thing would be rever- retreat. Do not do it. And well, like you're saying, I would rather tell someone something honestly and say, hey, I'm sorry, or you're taking this wrong way, or I know this is a little tough, than give you give you the sugar coat and then come back and have to unsh... You know how much mm-hmm. worse it is? I, and I don't know if you've ever done this, yeah. and I will definitely say I have. You know, there's definitely times I've called someone or talked to someone they were so upset. I said, no, I'm going to appease this person. I'm going to say, I'm going to look back into it. And then when you have that same conversation with that person in two or three days, it's no better. Yeah. It does. You, you, you didn't get any results. Yeah. And I think, 
and you gotta stick to your guns. And I say, if you do it, I'm a big intent person. Yeah. If you do something with the right intent, then I'm good. So yeah. um, now, is there times that things will weigh on my mind or eat at me, and I'm like, uh, like I'm stressed out or something like happened? Like, yeah, we had a couple things the last couple weeks. We were, we had some issues, um, you know, with some clients that were our mistake, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was just we had some stuff going on, a little short staff. We had yes. some, you know, some some things that. Um, when I talked to the client, I didn't mention that. Like, I just <laughs> no. didn't want to sit there and, and, and come up with excuses, but it was mm-hmm. more like, Hey, I own took ownership, like accountability it was like our fault. We messed up. I'll, I'll fix it and I'll get back to you. Yeah. And I, and I look at that as like, okay, did that bother me? Absolutely. Cause I don't like making mistakes. But then I also looked at it. Did I do anything with the incorrect intent? No, no. I didn't do it to piss you off. I didn't no. do it to make something bad. I didn't do it to forget about you. We didn't, we didn't go out of our way to make this happen. It was mm-hmm. a mistake. We mm-hmm. owned up to it. And then again, I have to just let it fall where it may. If the client likes it or comes back to us or doesn't, whatever, I say, like, hey, and, at and least I'm fine with our, I guess, our our reaction to yeah. maybe a poor action. And and I guess, once again, that kind of comes with the field that we're in, too, sales. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was something different, it would be a little different. I, I hate to say it. If you do something unintentionally or by accident, and unfortunately your client does catch up on it or, or see that, I do feel like a lot of times they take that as, and I'm just I'm just being upfront as I can, is maybe we're trying to take advantage of them, or we were trying to slip something over their eyes, or you know we were being that quote unquote salesperson mm-hmm. when really, and I, and I hate to you know I'm trying to, I'm not trying to make all the salespeople out there sound great, but they do make mistakes. You know, people make mistakes, and it's not always to get something up on you or to it's. And there's been times where I've made mistakes, gone back and, and changed the price. So it's lower because I could after the mistake was made, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And actually a good thing has come from it. And there's other times where I've made mistakes and the price I gave you actually, no offense, went up because I made a mistake and it was the opposite way. I, like you're saying, you have to own up either way. Yeah. You hey, did. this was too high here. It should be here. Hey, this is too low. It's, uh, it should be here. What's the accountability? I think if you own up to it, same thing. If I if I was to, I would feel worse if I did something bad and I intentionally tried to do something bad and pulled something on someone. I like I would be very guilty. So I, yeah, I well, that's at what it. your dad's. You wouldn't be putting your head down. You wouldn't yeah, be getting good that sleep that at, night. That would eat at me more than anything yeah. else. So like to me, it's like I do everything. Do I always make the correct decision? No, but I but in my head, I made the correct decision at that time with the information I had. So a lot, and that's like me with managing leading. Like I have to make decisions all day long. Or is every decision going to be the perfect decision? No. But at that split moment with what the information I was processing and mm-hmm. like how I felt and everything else, that was the, basically where I went. Right. But I don't second guess it. I'm like, nope, decision's made. Let's just live with it. If it's wrong, then we'll fix it. Or we'll change it or we'll deal with whatever the ramifications well, are. Regret is a huge thing. Um, and I'm not just saying like regret as in, obviously business regret's a huge thing. Like mm-hmm. when you, if you accidentally do something and then you regret said decision after because when I say regrets, you saying uh, I guess that kind of reverts back to that anxiety thing. Sometimes you can do something by accident, or you have a regretful feeling. And for me, it's if I feel guilty. I guess more guilt. If I do feel guilty about something that I did, guilt for me. I, I think I, I don't know if I process it fully, or if it's something I'm still having trouble with. But like, if I feel guilty about something, it eats away at me, and it then will create. And anxiety for me. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. if I don't go and fix that thing that made me guilty, or if I kind of let that fester, mm-hmm. um, it will. That'll do just. It will do exactly that. It will fester and it will kind of bother me I, more. I had a deal a couple weeks ago. 
there was an offer in on a house and it was accepted and it wasn't my client. And I had a client that wanted to put an offer in after the fact. And this is like real estate, whatever. Like yeah, yeah. I, I've actually, I actually, and I didn't, I mean, I'm not trying to get you off topic. I did not know till just recently, uh, cause Joel got it, that multiple real estate agents or multiple, I don't want to say vendors, but mm-hmm. can, can, can put offers in on one house mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and whatever. And then the person on said house can take whatever they feel. Correct. Yes, exactly. That, and this market happens, happens a lot. It's supply and demand. So in this case, multiple people made offers and offer was accepted. So my person who I told this agent prior, mm-hmm. and there's some stuff, I didn't think I had to get to this point, but it did, whatever. No, it wasn't yeah. my client. Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> I was on the other side. And uh, it got to the point where we had, um, the offer was accepted, and I told them prior, I'm like, listen, my person's coming. I'm like, I know they're going to make an offer. I'm like, and I, I don't have it. So if they take it, I can't, but I'm just, like, give us a couple hours. You'll have another offer. I think it's going to be strong, blah, blah. So they didn't. They took whatever offer me knowing that there's this bullshit clause in our contract that should not be in our contract. But again, I'm working for the buyer in this case. I'm like, you know what? It's our last ditch effort. Let's go for it. And we made the offer and they bumped out the first offer to Mm. take our offer. Right. Me as an agent and someone that's ethical thinks that's a horrible way to win an offer, but I was working for my client. So I'm like, you know what? We can do it. It's a stupid loophole, but we can make it happen. So, what happened? And, and, what, and it sounds like you actually feel guilty for the opposite. You feel, 100%. yeah, you feel guilty for so, the person that's not your client. So get this. So this is where my guilt comes <laughs> in. I don't even like it. I get my client got it, and I'm fine. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah. I feel bad for the other buyer that's getting bumped. That's yes. not my client. It has nothing right. to do. I don't even know who this person is, but I just feel bad because they should have got the home. So what happened was, there's 150 agents in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm like. Pfft. Offer got bumped. I'm like, all right. Well, I mean, I do feel bad for the buyer, but whatever. I'm working for my client. Well, then I found out the offer I bumped was an agent from our office. Oh, no. And I found out about it an hour going into an appointment, an hour before I had a one-on-one with this agent. Oh. So in my head, I'm like. This kid hates it me. Took, <laughs> no, it just literally took, yeah. no, it took the wind out of my sails. Yeah. And I was like, oh. oh, my God. So, and again, I didn't do anything wrong. No, 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 no. And. And they didn't do anything wrong, but I'm like, what the? F-? I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, yes. So I had my appointment. I came back, was in the appointment with this agent after after I had my appointment. Then I came back and had the one on one with this agent. I immediately, first thing I did, said, <laughs> "Listen, this is the situation. I broke the news to her. Yeah. And I my offer wasn't even accepted yet. I'm like, I'm just letting you know that yes. this is what yes. that seller is going to do. Your buyer is going to get bounced out. I'm just giving you the heads up now so you can talk to your client and try to figure something out, even though it's not my client." Right. But at that point, I went in from like, like broker slash guilt of like, I like I never would have told any yep. other agent because I don't. It's like the same thing. It's like, had, had it not been another Kavanaugh person, absolutely, right. and it did, and it was like in my eyes, it was like because this this agent's working hard, yeah. doing all the correct stuff, and this thing happens, which I think is a bullshit thing. But my guilt was like I didn't have to say anything to them. No. I didn't have to go out of my way to like give them a heads up. But in my eyes, I'm like. I'm not going to sleep well at night if no. I know that she found out some other way and then got pissed at the situation. When in my eyes, it's like, and it was unfortunate. I mean, they they understood it. It wasn't like they yes. were mad at me or the, but yes. it was just kind of like, okay. And but for me, it's like I just had to get that off my chest and be like, "Whoa, I I found out about this an hour and five minutes ago." Yeah, and I'm just giving you a heads up because I will feel bad if you found out about this through other means. And then yeah. I was like, Ooh. but I, but I'm sure one way or another that that little 
suggestion or that, you know, you saying that even if that person still is or was upset meant more than had you not said anything. Oh, yeah. And like you're saying, and I'm not, once again, not making an excuse for you, <laughs> but you didn't have to. You did not. No, have I to. didn't. And, and, but no. it's it's nice. It's nice. It's nice when you see. And I'm. I don't know. Could I? Could, could can I say C level over here? C level executive or someone more on the operations side? Oh, yeah. Feel that way, because um, I think, as we all know, maybe locally, um, there are people still around here who are C levels who, no matter what, are going to do either, do what they can for our community. Mm-hmm. As we both know, unfortunately, some people get caught up in money. Mm-hmm. And it's nice It's nice to know that... It's nice to know that not everyone does. It's nice to know that people are still out here for the betterment of the community, for the people, trying to get them best prices, trying to get people, and for you, the home mm-hmm. of their future, the home that they want. Um, so I'll say it like this. <laughs> if that was me, let's because we have bids all the time on the IT side. Um, obviously, if I beat my bidder... I'm not saying a word to him. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Oh, yeah. Hey, I mean, if anything, I'd probably send him an email saying, hey, you lost. <laughs> I'm just, you know, but do I feel good? But if it was, let's say, for some reason, you know, someone from National or I went up against, you know, my, the other rep in my office and won, I could see why you feel that way. It would, I would feel the same exact way. And it's just. Well, it would, it would be, and I guess I should tailor it back as if it got to the point where there was a best and final opportunity and we both put our offers up yes. and my person beat them, yes. I wouldn't have said a word because yeah. that's me and them. This was a reason their person got the house. Yes. My person bumped their person out with the bullshit clause that I talked about, which yes. I, and I'm not blaming my buyer, no, but no, I'm no, blaming no. in this situation. It's the structure of the setup because that that loophole is there. You didn't you didn't you didn't exploit anything. You knew the rules, unfortunately, well, and, and used them. And that was it. And I I because again, when you're working for your in our business, if you're working for your client, a good agent who understand because that I've been doing it for many years now. It's like a good agent that understands all the nuances of the deal. Most most people would not have gotten that deal through because they don't they don't. You got you got to know like. As you know, it's like as you get better and better in your craft, mm. there's little nuances that you have that will yes. give you the competitive advantage. Yes. I know that. I know I have competitive advantages just because I've been doing it for so long. And yes. I've been doing it, I would say, at a very um, uh, deep dive level. But yes. I've been like I've been in it for many, many years. And, not, and, and, and like, even, in even it, in it. Like Yes, even and even if you weren't doing it as a kid, your father was around you had still seen it. I'm sure there was times you went to work with them. You have been in it, in it. I'm not unfortunate, but you have been in it, in it for the majority well, of your your time. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's been as long as I've been alive, yeah. longer. And yeah. uh, but it, even just being in it in the sense of like every day, I think about real estate. Every hour, I think yeah. about real estate. like I'm just I'm in it so much that like you really talk about you know like I mean your business is almost like a kid. Like you talk yeah. about like you have to feed and drink and give it life like you have to put the effort in um so i look at situationally depending on the situation you know in this case that was kind of a crappy thing i understood like how to get my person's offer accepted but i didn't know it was at the expense now had i known i still would have had to do it because my client right but my idea was like i found out about it i'm going to give at least my agent a heads up on it and just say i'm just giving you the situation what's happening is just kind of like Take that information, do what you want, but I just don't want you to be blindsided. And all right. of a sudden, you found out that my offer got in, and then because then I my in my back of my mind, I'm like, I don't want 
this agent to think that I knew about it and tried to keep it away yes. from them and just did it. So I'm like, no, I'm like, listen, I just found out about this. And, and they, under, again, they understood the process. And that, um, and that refers to what you said a minute ago. You only have one reputation. Yeah. And even if it's with someone within your own company or not, you only have one reputation. Yeah, it's specifically it, up here. Yeah. And it, well, especially in our, our company. Cause I mean, yes. they're, they're the one that looks to you for guidance and they look yeah. like that's your teammate kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, shit like i did and it wasn't that you did anything bad to be like again like kind of in soccer being like well it's I, it's a learn i mean and nothing to take away from that person it's a learning curve yeah i've had i've had you know i've had other recruiters when i was recruiting i mean candidates are what we call open their candidates are open until you put them within a requisition that is filled like if i'm talking to david williams for this position and my buddy would call Devin Williams, and he fit in for this position, and he got him in the requisition first, and that person got a placement from it. There's nothing I could do. I can't sit here and be angry. I can't sit here. Did that person have to go out of the way and tell me he was reaching out to him? No. Mm-hmm. Did they sometimes? Yes. And honestly, it's dependent upon the person. And I hate to say that. Like, when I was there, some people would be like, hey, I'm going to reach out to this person and try to, and I'd be like, hey, that's awesome. Go for it. And then there would other be other times where I'm going around from board to board, and I'd be like, no, that's my guy, and no, it's it's not your guy, and it's not it's not a great thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's a learning curve, mm-hmm. and I mean, sales one way or another, even how upfront, honest, and by the book, and how right you want to do it. Unfortunately, there are some. Oh yeah, will always be something. We well, got like the used that. car salesman, yeah, the sleaze bags, and they're, yes. they're they're out there. Yes. But I think the best salespeople are the ones that really look at like, what's your problem? Let me, Can I fix it? And that's why I always yeah. use that's why I use the word for me. For you, it's different. It's a home or mm-hmm. it's a problem. For me, I always use the word solution. Yeah, and and I'm normally talking about copiers. You know, people aren't looking at their copier like, oh, that's our solution, but. That's how I come about it. So this is what you're paying for. This is what you're at. If we can put this, this, and this on your copier, maybe uh, speed up your document management process or you know st- streamline your your business flow a little bit in here while drinking while taking down some of your overhead cost. You know why wouldn't you want to do that? That's a solution. Uh, that's fixing a problem. Yeah, and you had to present it in what, what kind of again old marketing term, but what's in it for me? Yeah. It's like, you got to put it on. It's like, if I was that buyer, they're going to be thinking what's in it for me if I buy this copier. So it's like, you got to then point the value proposition to them to make sure that they understand, oh, I'm not just buying a copier. I'm buying a copier that's going to speed up this, 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 and this. Yes, yes. It's like, well, we buy, it's how we buy anything, you yes. know? It's And um, why why I bought, like I said, the boomerang, because it, it <laughs> satisfied a thing that I had. It's like, I don't know how much it is, but yeah, it's, for me, it's worth $15 a month because it just clears up it takes away the anxiety aspect of it. So it's like absolutely no brainer. But if I just found out like, oh, you can just schedule, send your emails. And I didn't understand why that mattered to pause your inbox. Like if, if seeing in email coming in, I never yeah. would check it. I would never need that. No. But in my life, that was something I'm like, yeah, I, you know what? I do need that. Cause I, I check email and try to get down to zero as much as possible. I am always, I'm always going to have the, the inbox on zero as well. And the other thing is too, and I, I mean, I don't know what just made me kind of think about this, but like, when I would work in DC, sometimes I shouldn't say sometimes price became less of a thing. You know what I'm saying? It was, what is your solution? What can it do? Mm-hmm. How can it upgrade us? Um, and then the money aspect and things would come for that. That would there come after. Um, and I'm not saying because there's just more money or these companies had more money. Where the North Country it is, I want the solution. I want to know what you're fixing. But at the same exact time, cost does, you know, they want to make people up here want to make sure that they're not being taken advantage of, which is smart because I think 
we need to be a little bit more on top of it. We need to be a little bit more mindful about those things. Um, so that kind of does change up the, the sales process a little bit where I hate to say it. If I'm out in a big city, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting, like you're saying, these are the main points. You know, this is what it does. This is the problem you're having. This is why you need it. And at the end, I'm saying it's worth this much because really at the end, when they see the price, if it's a big enough company, unfortunately, they're going to invest one way or another if they see the, the value in it around here everything kind of needs to be and it's almost more it's almost more of an intricate and detailed selling cycle up here um and i almost i don't want to say like enjoy it but i almost appreciate it more um because you can tell the people up here are looking into it or do care or are um uh, aware of it mm-hmm. aware of what's going in and what's coming out and they're kind of taking more focus on it yes because I mean, I hate to say it, when some of these other larger companies, some of these other companies can just buy and do and go as they please. I'm not saying it, it doesn't take uh, any of the enjoyment out of it. You know, a sale is a sale. Don't get me wrong. But you almost don't feel as you're doing as much for them. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I go back a lot too when I first was getting the business. Um, like price is only an issue in the absence of value. Like it, it's like if you pri- provide a reason why someone would want the product right. and again, what's in it for me, how it would benefit your life, how it would make you better then you look at, and it, this could be anything like, like I said, it could be a system that gives me back time. I found right. another cool hack the other day for, for books. Like if it gives me back time, I like it, but then it could be down to like an enjoyment factor. Yes. Like why'd you buy the new shoes or why did you buy the new predator? I don't even make predators anymore, but why do they, they do? They do. Do they? Okay. Oh, yeah. why, why do they make the new predators? Because it's like, why do you want that? And that could yeah. be a, a joy you get. That could be a, a feeling. Nostal- that could be, nostalgia. Now it'd be nostalgia. Yeah. But like, or, but back in the day, it could have been the perception that yes. if I wore these shoes, it'd be better. Yes. Whatever that value would, to myself would be, I would buy it. So if I had a sales rep that would show me, be like, yeah, well, this is what all the pros wear. Yes. This is like, yes. and he'd be like, oh, I want to be like yes. messy or caca. I'm yeah. really dating myself well, now. Yeah. But Getting older and older as, as the show continues. I, I, I know. <laughs> I know. We're, we're going back into like FIFA 5 right now. So, yeah. But if you start going in and start deep diving in a lot of those things, like, these are the ones that were, you know, or these are the, the reasons why we buy certain things. And this is, this is anything you buy. Yes. Like there's a value to why you bought the Gatorade or a value why I bought a cup of coffee. Yep. Like, yep. like this is the greatest coffee. How much is it? 10 bucks. Is it going to like cure cancer? <laughs> yeah. No. Then I might just buy the $4 coffee. It's, it's pure 100% Arabica bean. I mean, why. I'm a coffee. <laughs> you like, are, I would, co- no, I would, you're, you are a coffee connoisseur. I know I, w- I would probably have the $10 coffee to try it. I but, know you would. But it would be, but it'd be one of those deals. Like I'd have to have a reason like a value to be like oh that makes sense let me try it you need to get high peaks back out here again um i saw her a couple we're actually going to try to get her at an event next month she's unbelievable she'll be out i will say like (laughs) another sidebar here the coffee in plattsburgh has really upped its game which what's your uh, go-to okay i mean this if we're being real right now this is this is going to kill jay when he hears this i mean i know jay and people if people listen to this the guy who worked at coffee cat has been over tyler boris's uncle yes yep and I went there for the longest time. And I hate to say this, but one chapter one opened up because I'm right across from the Pepper. That's where I live right now. Um, I go down to chapter one. I mean, you can't go wrong with their lattes. But <laughs> I'm a pumpkin spice person. I can't believe I just said that. on Basic. Oh, my God. The most basic. Like, I will literally go over there and be like, can I get a large hot coffee with pumpkin spice in it, please? And yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So your jam's chapter one. Uh. 
right now, right now, and it has been for a little bit, chapter one. But the thing is, the only reason I put it over high peaks is because I'm only, I'm hit or miss when I see her. I don't get to see her enough. She's here. She's there. It's a convenient factor. Yes. It had, I, if I had more um, availability to her, I, I would I would probably be there more. So my... If I had to pick, and again, I know people are going to probably shit on me. If I had to really pick the top three coffee places locally, yes, I would say if I'm going locally, yes, yes. roasted be, would be Becky, okay. High Peaks, okay, um, Chapter One, and Adirondack Coffee Roaster are the top right, right across, I've never even heard of right there. across from. Um, Right next to Night Automotive, okay. um, yeah. Taco Bell, Night. There's that strip right there. Yeah, I didn't even know. They're on the far right side. They do a lot of bulk coffee too. They're really good. The but if we, so those are the three. I would go see Becky every single day. The, the hard part would be finding her. Maybe. Well, well one, it depends on where she is, yep. and number two, it depends on the line. Yes. So like, if I might show up and there's five people, and my in my life, very rarely do I have like. 20 minutes to kill you don't so if i do i almost make a like if i know i kind of have like a low-key morning and i'm gonna be near i will make a point to go to go um and there's some days where i'm like i'm here she's up yeah. at liquor and wine i have no reason to go up that direction it's nope. gonna take me 15 minutes to like weave my way down get it come back and i've wasted 45 minutes so which is crazy to think about that when you're driving through plattsburgh but, but it's a real but it's no it's a real thing that's my thing yeah it's a real thing and because it, it's time again it's back to time and i think one that I, I go to a lot is I go to Starbucks a lot because I do like the coffee, but there's a drive through aspect. How dare you call me basic? But I know. But it, but if you but it, the thing is with, with Starbucks that I find, like I will go through the even if there's a line in Starbucks, I'll go through the line in Starbucks. Yes. Because during the I can I'm on my phone. It's I'm like, like I'm yeah. doing stuff, I'm checking yeah. notifications, I'm texting yeah. people, I'm just sitting in line. But I look at that as like I can get a coffee and then if I have to wait ten minutes, it's at least ten minutes that I still am it's not like I'm just sitting in the car like twiddling my thumbs, it's like I'm doing stuff. So those are like chapter one, I don't really go to because if I have to go to a storefront place, because one, there's, you have to park yeah, on the street, yeah, you yeah. have to walk there. So unless I'm meeting somebody there, I won't go because, again, if I'm going to make a special trip out to go to a place, I, I know Becky, so I'll try to go see yeah. her. Um, or, I mean, I make coffee here, which I hate, but I usually yeah. make coffee in the morning anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, I, like, um, I make no, my own I'm coffee every morning. So I, I actually, I feel bad. I feel bad that we didn't even bring this up. And had I not said this, uh, my good friend Shay Shay Robert Halley would have a would have a heart attack. Stewart's does make a mean cup. So, Stewart's does make a mean cup. So this is this is my thought on Stewart's coffee. Whew, here we go. This is my thought. I'm gonna this this, might, this might be an argument here, people. So talk about being honest. I would say Stewart's coffee on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> like if you want me to do the pizza review, I would give Stewart's coffee. Like a four point eight. Wow. Wait, uh, wait. I thought wait. you were gonna at least say like six two no. to maybe six eight or something. No, I like think that. I think it's a below average coffee. Wow. But here's the thing with Stewart's coffee. You can go in there and just absolutely pour a cup. Well, well, that too. That there's like a nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there. But the, the whole thing, the reason I like Stewart's coffee, <laughs> and I will still get Stewart's coffee to this day, depending where I'm at. Like I'll stop and get Stewart's coffee. The over creamer. There. No, I, I know where you're going with that, but not not the creamer. The thing with Stewart's coffee for me, it is pure nostalgia. Okay, so you're going there strictly because it's, it's like, because hey, I'm getting a coffee before I roll into to my first period and sit in Mrs. Brown's homeroom. Exactly. Exactly. Do you want to know? You know what's funny? It, honestly, to a T, that's exactly You, Casey Trombley, oh, Jacob yeah. Spiegel. All coffee guys. Every morning. And 
Nolan. I, I hate it. I hate it because I, I was in 7th or 8th grade at the time. Obviously looking looking up to the older guys. I started to try to bring a coffee in when I was like only maybe in ninth or 10th grade. And they were like, hey, Brandon, you're not there yet. Don't. <laughs> Don't even try it. I, I had to wait till I was a senior and till I, they finally allowed me to like stroll through the halls with my steward's coffee. And I remember you guys always got the little ones. I said, screw that. You get the big boy? Oh, I would come through with the and people would be looking at me like, oh, you drink coffee? Brand? Yeah, I do. Well, I the, do. The, reason we got, the reason I got the small one is because you could only have it. You can only have it for first period. Yeah, so I was like, well, I, I was never going to get through with it. So time. what I did, because I leveled up on you guys, because I saw you did it, I scheduled Pat Node for first period. So I had library TA. So I would go from homeroom to library TA. And you could so drink coffee. For, for the first hour, <laughs> if a teacher ever listens to this, for the first hour and a half of the day, I did nothing. I'd sip coffee and I, did, I would eat a donut. <laughs> and the funnier part about that was my teacher at the time, and I got a Corey Thompson. Thank you, sir. Seventh grade math teacher at Shazy really is one of the few reasons I got out of high school. I, yeah, I can't, he's a good teacher. I, can't, I can't leave that out of here. I mean, I'd still beat him up to this day, but he would also. You'd outshoot you, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, and he's the best golfer uh, east of the Mississippi, if you don't already know that, Corey Thompson. Um, and west of the Great Chase River. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he would buy my coffee and my donut every morning. I'd be like, hey, can I have $2? Every morning. And I mean, to the point where Rob, Mr. McAuliffe, came up to me. He's like, and, and Mr. Norcross one day, and they were like, so when are you going to pay him back? I'm like, you, you think I'm going to pay him back? You think I have that much money to pay this? He's been bringing me to school since 10th grade, and he's been getting me a coffee and a donut every morning since. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's funny you bring that up. I, I don't think it's that bad, but it's not. It's not chapter one. It's I think not it's, Becky. It's not Coffee Cat. And I don't know, but I'll go check out this Adirondack place. Adirondack Coffee Roasters. But four, I'm saying a 4.8 from the pure taste. Nostalgia, I will absolutely get it. I used to get it before school, used to get it before golf, used to get it on the <laughs> way home from soccer trips. Yes, yes. When I was coaching, we yep. stopped at Stewart's, yep. always got it. Um, yeah, Stewart's coffee, like I said, I will still drink to this day purely out of Nostalgia. it brings me back to like the like to, to like high school, college, soccer, like yes. all that stuff. So um no, good times. Um I'm gonna wrap this up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wrap How long have you been going for? Uh, we've been going for a long time. I think probably three. Is it three? Almost three. Wow. Yeah. Almost three. Well, good. Yeah, I like to. I like to hear my own voice. So it was. Remember the other day? I'm like, you, you ready? You got your notes? I was nervous. Like, I, I was. In, Were you nervous? Well, I was. I was a little nervous leading up. I mean, the Chipotle that day was actually ten out of ten. Um, no, and, and this is once again not kissing your butt. If we're closing out, and I don't know if a lot of people say this, what you're doing here, this is this is a nice. This is a nice opportunity for people to get out of their office and to kind of speak and, and get a little bit stuff out there, if you will. I, I, I hate to say it. I don't know if enough businesses in town support other businesses the way you're doing it. So I don't care if four people listen to this or 400 people listen to this. I uh, I think what you're doing is awesome. And Good. keep it I appreciate up. appreciate it. Keep it up. It'll be somewhere between the four and 400. So yeah, no, good. I mean, if it's not, I mean, if it's less or it's more, we might have to make this. A, if you get the I, most views out of anyone on this one, we might have to make this a thing. You know, what's crazy is when you think about views and stuff, I, I looked the other day from, this is 164 in Realty Talk. I think we have 200 and something episodes. That's crazy, by the way. That's a of, lot. Of everything. And I got, I'm getting real estate, Realty Talk back. It's been honestly... 
it's been a while since we've done. You could take me. You could bring me back on that one as someone. Ninety three. Uh, wow. You, you can you can take me back on when you get back into the real estate talk because I mean and I don't want to go on another tangent. It is a license that I would be looking to get into. So maybe you could real have estate? you could have somebody as green as me and just run a bunch of real estate by them. The uh, just just teach you oh just absolutely just absolutely blow blow their minds and i'll literally write down stuff the whole time so i I was looking at the uh i i don't know why i did this the other day i looked at my all-time downloads yeah divided by the number of episodes right and right now the average episode is getting 50 downloads that's perfect but that's that's a solid number but it's 50 downloads all time my first like handful of episodes were getting under 10 downloads yes that's so what I'm saying, saying when it balances out it's been up to 50 so that's, i'm like oh boy so like that's that's a that's a large increase we're start we're starting to get much higher than it was before i don't really look at the numbers too often i don't I, don't because the, it, and i hate to say it once again i don't think sometimes a lot of other businesses like to you know it's it's a support thing and i think that what you're doing you're stepping out of the realm of the normality and you're kind of bridging that gap yeah, so I and I, I like that. I like it. I meet a, I meet a lot of people doing. I mean, I've known you forever, but there's a lot of people that I've never met before that I do like. I do this, and either I don't know them well or I know them a little bit, but I, I get a way be better, deeper understanding of them. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. So like I said, it, it's fun. It's fun to kind of mix it up, have different people on, past, new, old, um, long time no. friend, first time guests, no, all I, that. I loved everything about it, and uh, hopefully, you know, whoever listens. They enjoy it, and, and more or less, maybe maybe I'll get to come back. I can't I can't wait to come back. <laughs> <laughs> We're at one sixty four. We'll we'll uh what was, what was your soccer number again? Twenty four. Well, that's right. We had the what, same one. What was your I, number? I, what was your number? Was it? You 24? actually you actually took it from like after I graduated. No, I, literally, I was actually thinking I'm like I think you were twenty four. I took your number, and then what I tried to do was play as hard as I could so it would get retired. But there's only one that got retired, so they won't do it. Tried, and it wasn't wasn't my number. It, no, it was one it was one number lower than ours. <laughs> the uh, so, um, Brandon, if anybody wants to reach out to you, find you. Uh, I'll give you my work email. That's fine. L- little plug. It's gonna questions. be it's gonna be b lauren at national nineteen twenty seven dot com. Please reach out with any and all questions. Um, yeah, regarding IT, copiers, printers, scanners, literally anything you want or anything you need to run your office software, or hardware, printer, copier, scanner, mailing machine, folder inserter. There are servers, desktops, backups. I could keep going, but that's the boring part. I'm not going to. Call me, and we will have a nice conversation. That's it. All right. Episode 164 with Brandon Lauren. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.